Episode 82 is about to begin, Hot Shot Scott. I was going to say I didn't pause the first time we did this, and there was this viral newscaster that was making the rounds that oh didn't pause God. that said like his his colleague was out today and then went right into a murder story, and it sounded like the colleague was murdered. Yeah, Dana won't be joining us today. He is... <laughs> Yeah, Dana won't be joining us today. He was burned and murdered at his birthday party. <laughs> you saw that? Yeah, hilarious. Uh, I straight out of like Anchorman. Like you just whatever what the teleprompter they just read. What did we do before social media? Like that, we would have never known. Twenty years ago, that would have happened on some local TV show. Yeah, and unless like Jay Leno made fun of it on the Tonight Show, he got the clip and right. made made fun of it. None of us would have ever known to have seen that clip, right? Yeah, Dick Clark would have grabbed it for his blooper show, and that's the right. only time we would have seen and it. And if you weren't watching blooper show, you would have not ever seen yep. a clip like that. Well, that's the good old days. You can make a mistake, and your life's not canceled. You're not the laughing stock of the country. Episode 82, please, 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 as I pop my peas, subscribe on your favorite <laughs> podcast platform. See, we're talking about popping peas and, and what is it? What is it? Peas and what? Is what it just peas? Yeah, it's like. Huh, yeah. Yeah. It's and bad. then I go to my script and I see, please, please, please oh, subscribe geez. on your favorite podcast <laughs> platform and rate. I noticed it because I got like two woofers in my trunk, you know, for bass. And yeah. uh, I'm the worst at it. I hear the peas and it's All right, bumping. We'll get some mic. What do we need to do? Get some new Better wind screens. Yeah, we'll see if that helps. All right. If you'd like two full shows per week and some bonus content, become a patron at uh, MitchUnfiltered.com, just $5 a month. I've never asked you this, and I know that this is going to ruffle some feathers, and I don't want anybody to take this too seriously, but what would you think if I went to or we went to an all-patron format where all shows are on the patron site, and you've got to be a patron to hear any of Mitch Unfiltered, and we do less sponsorship and we go about it that way? I've always just kind of, I, I've kind of played around with that in my mind. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're trying to ruffle feathers today. Is that, that's what's going to happen. What are you talking about, all patrons? You're definitely going to get that. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. Yeah, no, it's from a, a business. I I don't want to keep it from the from the listeners. From a business perspective, what do you think about the idea, or do you think that we should always have at least one free show that we that we just say here here it's for the masses. Yeah, I think maybe one free show might just always have a free one, just so we can reach, just keep reaching people instead of just leveling off. Because you're probably less likely to pay for a podcast you've never heard. Right. Right. So. Right. Well, at, at what point after a year and a half or two years or three years, have we pretty much reached the people that we're going to reach and everybody has kind of experienced what it's like and then they can make a decision now. All right. Now we've decided to take it and, and put it behind a paywall and say, hey, it's five dollars a month. You get two or three shows a week. Yeah. And that's just the way it goes. I, I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate with you. I'm, yeah. I, I want to be clear. It's not like the next show next Monday is going to be on the patron site. I'm yeah. just I'm just speaking aloud here. What do you think about? That? I've always thought we could even grow it bigger. So that's okay. kind of how do we grow it bigger? Well, I think part of it. And again, I'm going to ruffle feathers, but I think talking like Seahawks and local stuff maybe prohibits that a little bit why would somebody in st louis listen to us which i think i would like that well we only really do that during football season right yeah. most of what we do if you took a stopwatch i used to get this complaint from people on the ra the old radio show not the same complaint like like seahawks and mariners but they would say oh you talk football all the time oh you talk a lot about non-sports and i would say all right let's take a stopwatch yeah. and see how much we really do talk about non-sports very microsoft and then you would find and then you would find after four hours that outside of commercials, that like three hours and 42 minutes was sports and 18 minutes was non-sport. People, 
people in the old radio show that didn't want to hear non-sports would say, you just talk about non-sports all the time. We could do one segment over four hours of non-sports, yeah. and those people would come out and just kill us and say, you're always talking. And I'd say, okay, let's... Why don't you come join me, pull up a chair, and we'll calculate how much non-sports we do and how much. Same idea with this. You say, well, we got to get away from the Seahawks. We got Not get away, but I think if we could split it up, maybe do one for local Pacific Northwest people. Oh, now we're doing two different podcasts. Well, I think instead of the one, this one, the the big free one, being two hours, we could just make it one hour. But how do the people in St. Louis or in Chicago, if we were to do just a national podcast for them... And there's no local, there's no local stuff. Uh How do they become aware of Mitch and Scott in Seattle? And, oh, I want to hear this because it's really fun. And it's kind of a warped look at sports and non-sports. How do do the people that don't, the people who listen to us really are the people that remember us from the radio, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Or am I wrong about that? Am I I short-sighted about that? Well, you just asked a question that every podcaster on the planet's been asking, (laughs) right? How do we get people to listen to this fakakta thing? Yeah. So that's the million-dollar question. Do they all use the word fakakta? Yeah, I think they do, actually. But no, I, I think I think there's room to grow, and I would like to do a separate one because you don't want to alienate the people who've been following you and made right. you for 23 years. All right. So I think we could split so it up. So you're maybe. moving me away. Mitch, don't go patron on us. Don't I, go patron on us. That, I tend to lean that way for now because I think we can make this bigger. That's my plan. Well, if anybody's out there that has a thought on this, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Yeah. Just write me. I, I mean, it comes like right to directly too. to yeah. me. If you've got a thought on what we should or shouldn't do or the direction of the podcast or or a second podcast or growing it or not growing it or taking it. You know, some people might say, hey, I pay $5. I'd like you to put them all behind the patron yeah. wall. Well, it's 10 at that point then. <laughs> but you know like let's the hat around let's say the the husky basketball team was great let's say they were like well they were i plan on talking be. a little bit about them on this podcast right but let's say they've been great all year yeah. and we're excited for the i mean we we would talk about them a yeah. lot more we only yeah. don't because they're not having a yeah good we year. would talk about them over a two and an hour and a half podcast we would talk about the huskies for 15 minutes for 12 minutes yeah and the rest of the two and a half hours would be national and then you guys like you would say to me well we talk too much local stuff and i would say but it was 12 minutes out of two and a half hours the rest of the two and a half hours was about judge judy's 47 million dollars a year contract or don rickles saying anyway I mean, but i tell you this <laughs> i love that one too i'll tell you this, tell you this. Uh, i really enjoyed the guest segments that will appear on episode 82 i've done three of them out of the four at the time of our recording i'm going to do one later so i can't tell you whether i've enjoyed that one just yet okay but our first interview segment features our athlete of the week maybe the athlete of the month so two mm. podcasts in a row after marianne what do you think of marianne wakefield oh, i couldn't way? have loved her anymore she was great i no, thought she was hilarious she's the one who sunk the 94 foot putt yeah for a brand new car and she's 86 years old and we had her on episode what it would have been 81 and I was doing this glamorous introduction. Yeah. I put it on Twitter. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, yeah. And she jumps right in because I misidentified her age. Right. But did you go did you go higher or lower? I think you well, went here's lower. The funny here here's the the background, the back story to that to that interview. When I was doing my research on her, if you did the research on this Marianne Wakefield who who made this putt from ninety four feet at halftime of a of a college basketball game you would see that many of the sites who did the story called her 86 and many of the sites called her 84. Ah. 
And more sites called her 86 than 84. So here I am prepping. Yeah. And I have to make a decision. Should have gone 85. No way. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> no way. I've got to make a decision. Am I calling her 86? Because part of the glamour of the story, if you go back to 81 and listen, you'll love it. Part of the glamour of the story is this is an older woman. This yep. is a woman my, my mom's age. Yep. Almost exactly the same age as my mom. And so I was like, all right, I see 84, 86. I can call over there and try to find out the answer or just go with the nicer of the two, which was 84. And of course, that's what got me interrupted in my intro. I went with 84. Excuse me. Excuse me. I have to stop you. Right. That was great. I'm 86. By the way, did she say that was her first new car ever? Yes. That's amazing. 86 years old, her first brand. All the, the She said the gadgets in here. <laughs> doesn't know how to work off of it. She was great. It was so sweet. Was so in this episode 82, our first interview segment is also going to be our athlete of the week. And I think you're really, really going to be moved and inspired by him. He is Josh Spidell. Do you know the name Josh Spidell? You do. You're we talked about him, yeah. We did on 81P? Yes. On Thursday, the one that's behind the patron wall? Yep, <laughs> that one. That one that's joining all the others? Uh, if you don't know who Josh Spidell is, look him up. You can't miss it. Uh, a Vermont basketball senior, when he was in high school, he averaged 28 points per game his senior year. He was the all-time leading scorer in his high school's history. Big wow. high school in Indiana. Right. Indiana basketball. He was the player of the decade in his county of Indiana. <laughs> recently named. Uh, he was a Division One recruit. The Vermont coach called him one of the greatest recruits that, that ever said yes to Vermont. Did he say he was, like, surprised that he would even come to that school? He was surprised that he would, was even, surprised. he would even consider coming to like, Vermont. I don't get guys like this. And then on the night that Daryl Bevel did not hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch, that night. I don't remember that night, but go on. The Super Bowl in 2015, he got this young man at age 18, got in a horrendous car accident in the middle of his senior year of high school basketball and his senior year uh, in Indiana. And it looked like he wasn't going to live. As it was, he was in a coma for up to two months. Doctors told his parents that if he makes it, he's going to be in a vegetation state. He's going to be needing nursing facilities uh, all his life. He's yeah. never going to have an education higher than a fourth grader. He's, he's just, it's just, uh, we're so, so sorry. And yet this kid has overcome just about all that. He had significant brain injuries to go to Vermont, go to school. He's on the basketball team. The Vermont program and coach honored the commitment didn't withdraw the commitment to scholarship. Which I thought was so impressive and so nice. And then on Tuesday night, this past Tuesday night, senior night, he played in his first game. He actually started the game, and they had an arrangement with the other team that he was going to be able to score the first two of the game. It was, as, it was as touching and heartwarming a story as you ever see. And so I said, and then they interviewed him after, and you can tell that he had a, he had a little bit, he had that accident, but he's got a 3.4 GPA. Amazing. Okay. Better than he's me. in no nursing facilities, no nursing home. Yes. He's getting ready to graduate. And so I said, I've got to talk to this guy. And hot shot, it was beautiful. Was it? It was absolutely beautiful. You're going to hear it in the first segment. Just a, it was a beautiful conversation. He was warm. He was courageous. He was willing to talk about the accident, what he remembers of it. He was willing to talk about 
when it dawned on him that he never was going to be able to play basketball at the highest level like he used to. I, it is a beautiful, I believe, a beautiful conversation, and it's on episode 82. I was wondering, because my brain goes right to, I wonder if he's bitter about not being able to play basketball at a high level, and maybe he would have gone to the NBA if he was that good. And I'm wondering, you don't have to tell us, but I, I, I'm happy to hear that it was a beautiful conversation. It sounds like he's he's you adapted will, to life okay. Hot shot. I don't want to oversell. You know about overselling. You will fall in love with this guy. Okay. And his perspective. It's great. And he's a big Matthew McConaughey's fan, too. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's good You'll to know. You'll find out why. <laughs> All right. All right, so he's in our first segment. Our second segment, same night, Tuesday night, Snacks. Do you remember Snacks? Of course I remember Snacks. He's taking over the world. He, he has the same name as the first guy that ever hired me in Seattle. Thomas Snacks Lee. Is that right? Yes, he's Tom, he's Lee. Tom Lee. <laughs> but he's a little different than Tom Lee. He, he probably can't tiptoe very well, can he? <laughs> Big boy. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Thomas Snacks Lee is, he is like a, an internet sensation. He was on Good Morning America, the Today Show. They've been flying him around. Yeah. He's a, he was the student manager of Jackson State who came in in his 35 jersey on senior night again. He, he, you know, He's the manager of the team, and the coach said, the coach said in practice one day, make this three and I'll put you in the game on senior night. And <laughs> oh, it, from 35 feet, he switched it. <laughs> yeah, he can shoot, it looks like, at well, least on the one he shot. Missed I... a few. He missed a few. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. that you didn't see All in right. that game. But he is a, a, a really funny, engaging young man. He's a character, huh? He's a, you'll like him. Can't wait. You'll like his personality. Snacks is on episode 82. Paul Marchand of the New York Post on this Tony Romo $180 million contract story and the newest story, which is ESPN's ready to, to offer Peyton Manning more and... ESPN wants to trade for Al Michaels. Now we're talking about off-season broadcaster Wait, trades. Who do they want to trade? You'll find out. All right. Yeah. Paul Marchand of the New York Post is also a guest on episode 82, as is Jeff Goodman. The stretch run to the NCAA selection Sunday, one week from right now. We will all have the brackets in our hands. Oh. 80 million people will fill out a bracket in 2020, and it will all start a week from now. So Jeff Goodman, college basketball voice for Stadium Sports, will be with us as well. Jeff Goodman's the one that tipped us off. Well, tipped me off, at least. You may have known about Obi Toppin. Oh. I didn't I mean. I heard Goodman talking about we him. We don't so. need Goodman to tell us about Obi Toppin. Well, I, I needed to know who that was. <laughs> but this past weekend, it's like, okay, I've seen all I need to see. Number one seed now. Is that right, Dayton's Dayton. number one? Going to be a number one seed, right? What now. a fun year. Now, Toppin, is he going to be a top three? Uh, not three, but lottery pick. Lottery pick. Yeah. Woof. He can dunk. That guy can get <laughs> up. He's fun to watch. I cannot wait for the tourney. Okay, Hot Shot. So as we begin episode 82, remember our sponsors, our partners, our everything and make Mitch Unfiltered possible. Evergreen Golf Call, who's listening to you, Tyler Hayes' team, responsibly growing families' money for decades in its private wealth management division. Offices along the West Coast, starting here in Bellevue, Portland, San Francisco, the Napa Valley 2, and the originator of Evervestment.com, a new program that caters to those of us that don't have the wealth of many of Evergreen's clients. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Zeke's Pizza. For so many years now, my family has been huge fans of Zeke's Pizza. With the NCAA tournament in less than 10 days, you can rest assured the Levy family will be at one of the 17 fabulous locations next week for our March Madness house pool, the Dash for the Cash. Don't forget to download the Zeke's Pizza app so that you can have the best Northwest-style pizza and craft beer delivered right to your door. 
Daniel's Broiler with four locations, including the newest jewel at the spectacular downtown Hyatt Regency. There simply is no better place in the Pacific Northwest to celebrate special occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever, USDA prime steaks, and the ambiance to match. Leshy, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place, and downtown Seattle, Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses, and the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Call 425-250-3150 just to see if a refinance makes sense for you and your family. With three top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone, Jordan Flowers has compiled an all-star team that's standing by to save you money with rates in the threes. And remember, we're not talking about starting your home loan all over here. You are making a big mistake if you don't at least explore the possibilities with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. This is episode 82, and it's going to be really, really good. I know I say that all the time. It begins right now. Unfiltered. If you put the combine on the TV out here while I'm sitting around, I will. You, I'll, I'll be asleep. You know, five minutes later, it just doesn't do anything. The, the coverage of the combine does nothing for me. When I'm watching Sports Center and they go live to McShay and Kuiper at the combine, boop, I'm off to a, an old Seinfeld episode. I, I, I just have no interest in the NFL combine, and I feel like, or I felt like doing a radio show that I was supposed to like fake, like, oh, I'm really interested in this. Un. Filtered. Nobody's any good in college basketball. Washington's no good. Could they get hot? I mean, would it be the most ink? Would it be Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson? Nah. It would be a shocker. I mean, it would be a big time shocker if Washington strung, I don't know, four or five games together and won the. A huge shocker. But it wouldn't be like unheard of. It would not be like, oh my God, this is the biggest upset in the history of college basketball. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 82, you know about our guests. Yes. I think you'll be moved by our first one. I think you'll be entertained and you'll giggle about our second one, Thomas Snacks Lee. I think you'll be informed and intrigued by the Tony Romo story and the Peyton Manning story and the Al Michaels broadcaster story from the guy who's been on top of it better than any of you. And then I think you will be informed on some level so that when you fill out a bracket in a week, with the Jeff Goodman. Those are our four guests of episode 82. Episode Ernie Conwell. How does it sound to you? Ernie Conwell from uh, <laughs> Kent, Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Episode Paul Scancy. Oh, yeah. Was he the one that caught the touchdown from Craig and the Derek Thomas? That's the, right. Yeah, yeah. He was 82 for the Seahawks, but he was seven with the dog. You know, he went to Washington. Paul Scancy, Washington, and That's Seattle. right. He is a Husky. But he was number seven for the Huskies. Okay. So, so it would just be his 82 that he caught. Uh, but there was a better wide receiver, number 82, named Daryl Jackson. Do you remember episode Daryl Jackson? Got robbed in the Super Bowl, didn't he? Is it that that one? In the, for the Seahawks, right? Yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. Where they said he pushed off in the end zone. Oh, was that that was Daryl Jackson oh, in the back of the end zone. That killed me. I was You were there too, right? Oh. In Detroit? Yeah, awful. The holding on Sean Locklear. Yep, yep. Daryl Jackson, because the Seahawks drove right down and scored. Like, here we go. That's what they do. The penalty on Matt Hasselbeck after he threw the interception, he got called for like an illegal block or an illegal tackle. Oh, that's right. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that was there weird. There was something yeah. weird about that too. Anyway, those are, the, uh, those are the three locals. Or we could go... Ep- 
episode, John Taylor, the famous wideout opposite of Jerry Rice. Not the keyboard player for Duran Duran. No. Or bass player, whatever I would know who that is. James Taylor, I know. Uh, Episode, Jason (laughs) Witten, who was so good in the broadcast booth that he went back to to play. (laughs) Episode, Ozzie Newsom was a great tight end, one of the greatest tight end of all time. The Browns? He played for the Browns. He played for the uh, Baltimore Colts, I think, more. Okay. Wide receiver, John Stallworth. Oh, I remember him. He was pretty good. Yeah. Opposite of Lynn Swan yep. during the heydays of the Steel Curtain and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh. And episode Raymond Barry, who was one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, a Hall of Famer. The good thing about Raymond Barry that I like is he was a 20th round pick. <laughs> 20 rounds. When they had tw- 20 round NFL pick, was not supposed to make Jeez. the Colts. And then played his whole career and went to the Hall of Fame. I Great scouting would've. system in the NFL back then. <laughs> I probably would have got drafted if there was 20 rounds. I mean, good God, who didn't get drafted? Before we start with our interviews, and we'll get to our interviews right out of the gate, I got to ask about the coronavirus thing and, uh, and wish anybody who's listening right now that has any kind of connection to it, relative, friend, I wish everybody well. I'm scared out of my mind. I giggled at it at the beginning, and I'm not giggling anymore. Now I just don't know what to do. Um, you, you, you had your daughter's uh, fifth grade basketball canceled this weekend, right? Yeah, it's a league tournament. So the ETL, which your kids played in, you know, right. they have at the end of the year, ever like the top. Yeah, we had ours last weekend, right? Oh, oh. D- did you really? Yeah. Well, this was supposed to take place at a high school in Kirkland, which apparently is ground zero for the coronavirus. Yes, because of the, the nursing home. Because the nursing there. home, yeah. yeah. So still living there. Canceled the whole thing, so yeah. no no chance to win league this year for them, which is And a yet they didn't cancel any of the high school playoffs. Oh, that's still going on at the Tacoma Dome. So, I thought it's over. Oh, well, that was still going on at the yeah. time when we were supposed to be playing. How about your state tournament that this fifth grade team that has kids from Dallas and New York right. to the Bronx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about that next week in Spokane? Is that still on? Unclear. It's unclear at this point. But the only sliver of hope I have is that the state one went on in Tacoma. So why wasn't that canceled? I mean, either we care about people's health or. Well, it's we not all don't. one. Oh. It's under one roof. There was probably. 80 teams, maybe 80 teams that, that go to that. The B11, the B, the A, the double, tons of ki- parents and friends. And how about all the students that go? You Why think we're overreacting? I think there's. I, I need toilet paper, by the way. If anybody listening's out there <laughs> that could send me some toilet paper, I, we're, we're running low, the family, and there's really not many places that has toilet. You could, you know, how much money if you were on the side of the road? You know those little lemonade booths that you <laughs> yeah, see sure, with the yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we send our kids with just like a just a bunch of toilet paper and sell it? I know we should. I mean, what a, did the toilet paper industry ever think they would ever stumble onto something oh like God. this? They're, are they all high fiving about the coronavirus? Uh, I think behind closed doors, they're. Some- <laughs> Well, no, they're 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 doing elbow to elbow. They're not high fiving, but they're. Do- I mean, since I said on Twitter, oh. they, they haven't seen something like this since TPing houses was a cool thing to do in the '80s. Imagine yeah. that was probably huge for them too. Yeah, and they never thought they'd stumble onto this. Why toilet paper? Do I we don't know, know yet. Is one of the symptoms diarrhea? I don't no, know. No, now I don't want to really take you there because once I take you somewhere like this, I don't quite. I'm not able to get you back. You started with us last week with the, uh, what was it, going number two in the shower? Yeah, 3% of people go number two in the shower. What do you do as a family? I'm just wondering. What do you do as a family if you run out of toilet paper and you can't literally buy any more toilet paper? What do you do? You don't go to paper towels. Well, I think you clog the whole yeah, toilet. Not- you can't do paper towels. You could do tissues. Could you do tissues like Kleenex? Or what do you do? I think you do what 3% of the population does. I think I'm not going to in the shower. I don't want to either, but if you you can't wipe, I don't know what to do. 
I don't think we're going to run out. Okay, I think it's going to be all, fine. That is the most warped. Th- first of all, <laughs> do I really need to go here? I guess I do. You brought it up. Going to in the shower isn't a remedy of the situation. You could go to in the toilet and then go in the shower to clean yourself. Going to in the drain doesn't remedy. <laughs> do I need to Eastgate State? Do I need to? It doesn't remedy the toilet paper situation. It just, you just end up having a load in your shower. It seems a little more pragmatic. You're killing two birds with one stone. People are hitting the fast forward button like it's going out of stuff. Here's what I want to know before we get to the interviews, and we'll do all the other sports stuff. Everything that everybody in St. Louis and Chicago and yeah. and, and New Jersey want to we'll hear love Paul in our Scanty, last segment. <laughs> yeah, they love Paul Scanty. Uh, we'll do that in the last segment. I got a, a, you, you and I both have a flurry of sports activity that we'd like to talk about in the last segment after the interviews. But I really need I'm, – I'm really confounded on the coronavirus from this standpoint. And I said this on 81P. I'll say it again for the people that heard 81P. Sorry it's a repeat, but – it's a, it's a developing situation, yes. right? And if you want your money back, just call Scott. <laughs> I set up many, many months ago. You know that my son, my oldest son, is in the college application process. He's now finished all of his college applications, and he's waiting to hear. And I thought, and they're huge NBA fans. The fact that we don't have the NBA in Seattle, sorry, St. Louis, sorry, Chicago, has uh, been a killer for them. And they're kind of Clippers fans like me. And I figured many, many months ago, why don't I, when he's done filling out applications and he's waiting to hear from some of these schools, why don't I take the boys and the wife if she wants to come, but typically she would like to stay home, whatever. Take the boys to L.A. for the weekend to celebrate Max's senior. You know, he's got senioritis. He doesn't really care about the second semester anymore. Dad, nobody cares about the second semester. Take the boys, L.A., three boys, Hunker down on a Friday night. Somehow we'll get the podcast done and we'll go to two games. We'll pick a, an L.A. weekend that they have two games, a Friday and Saturday. So we've had these plans to go to L.A. to honor Max, to celebrate Max for the last many months. And now I, it's this coming Friday. Oh. I've got plane tickets on Alaska. I've got hotel rooms. I've got very expensive tickets to these games, three tickets to each game, six tickets. And I'm just I, I don't want I don't want to make this decision. I, I I don't want to not go, and I don't want to go. I want somebody to make the decision for me, and no one's gonna make the decision for me. The closest I got to was over lunch the other day. I brought it up to the boys. Said I don't know what to do, and Max looked me in the eye and says, "Dad, understand this about the coronavirus." <laughs> okay, him and his medical degree. He's gonna yeah, set him you and his medical de- okay. degree. He says to me, "We have nothing to worry about, Brett and I." You? <laughs> he said, look, kids, he says, kids, even if we get it, it's like cold-like symptoms. We, we get better. Kids are going to either not get it or get better really quickly. And it's like, he says, my, my theory is, my son, my 17-year-old has a theory on everything. Yeah. He says, my, my theory is, is that we've all gotten, maybe not me, but kids in our school probably have it and have gotten it, but they don't care that much because it's not serious. And it's like, it's like sniffles and a sore throat and they get better in about a few days and we come back to school. We don't even care because it just, now you, dad, <laughs> you got to make this decision about you. Yeah. And that actually, if it's true, makes me feel a lot better because I, I don't mind putting myself at risk as much as I put mind putting my kids at risk. Right. So my wife hasn't really entered an official decision. And of course, that will probably rule the day. You got to be unanimous on this. 
I, I'm thinking about doing a Twitter poll and going with the Twitter. I don't know if the Twitter poll, when it comes to the coronavirus, is the smart way to go. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be rooting for you to get it what or not. What do you not. think? You never know. I told you before, I, I think you have to live your life. I just Get think, on the plane to Los Angeles to. with all the people. Do I wear them? Do I literally wear the silly mask? Do yeah, I have the they're kids saying the mask, mask that may not the mask even... The mask might not even help. Yeah, for viruses, it's Yeah, we not, did, yeah. It's good for like... I don't know. Do we go out, to the hotel? But, do we worry about the 18,000 seat facility in LA? Do we worry about the plane? I, I always thought of the plane yeah. as having... Hotel rooms could have... I don't know. I, I don't know. I really... Look, I really want to take them. I really want to do this. I want to do this for Max. I want to do this for the boys. But I don't want to put all of us at unnecessary unnecessary risk. And I just don't know what the answer is. Well, I think... What would be the downside to you getting the coronavirus? I mean, you're basically quarantining yourself in your house every day anyway, and you're coughing nonstop. Okay, so you're making you a joke out of have this. it anyway. I mean, what's the difference if you get it? You're quarantined every day anyway. Scott, come over and give me a kiss. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> you know, if you were going to Face Touch Con or something, you know, uh, you're going to a game, you'll be fine. I, I would live my you're life. You're totally being dismissive of this. No, I'm, I'm not being dismissive. I, I, would, I would live my life. I, would, that, I don't want the virus to So if to you win. were in my shoes, you would say, I'm going. I'm taking the risk. I'm rolling the dice. I'm going. I mean, we're going to go to a movie later. Should we not go to a movie? I mean, you know, you got you to gotta do what you do. Going to the Ben Affleck movie about the high school basketball coach? Well, I'm going with my daughter and my wife, so no, I don't think they're going to have any interest in it. It's going to be Sonic the Hedgehog. I think you're... I think your wife would have interest in the Ben Affleck college, uh, high school basketball. Oh, maybe story. a little bit. I don't know. She might like Ben Affleck, looking at him for two hours. I think she sides with Jennifer Garner in that whole thing. Really? Yeah, I don't think she's a Ben fan. Oh, oh, okay. I was thinking about oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm, I'm into that, I thought too. we were talking about a physical appearance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like she sides with Jennifer uh, Aniston yeah. over uh, Brad Pitt or yeah. who, you know. So. Yeah, she rallies to the, the female perspective. Yes. But I, I, I think you should go. I mean, if, if your kids, if you don't think your kids are going to get, or Max is convinced they're not going to get it, I think you roll the dice. People are flying. I mean, companies are saying if you don't have to, don't. I just think it's a lot of precautions. If you don't have to, to what? If you don't have to travel, I don't. I don't have to. That's the part. Right. But this I, is like the least necessity, the least, you know, right? Yeah, but you it's don't want to eat a bunch of money and you do it for the kids. I don't have to eat a lot of money. I think Alaska will waive the fees. I don't know. I'll call them this week. My guess is the hotel will be cool. The Clippers have already said, now I have a little bit of an in, but the Clippers have already said that they'll, they'll uh, refund my money. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. And if they don't, they've got somebody to answer to. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to eat a bunch of money. I think okay. I could probably, if, you, if that's a consideration for your opinion, I think I can probably limit the amount of money let's not make this a money thing okay the question is should i take the boys on this trip that we've all been looking forward to or should we err on the side of caution and just sit at home put the lights off (laughs) don't touch him but when you're 75 years old and you look back are you going to regret not going this is like you're not going to get this time back with no because i'm certain we've done so much up until we've been very fortunate this is not like the only time i've ever taken my kids on a sports trip yeah and i'm sure we'll go a lot more god knows max wherever he goes to college is going to want to go like me he's going to say you and your dad went to the ncaa tournament 25 years in a row (laughs) you owe me 25 years let's start going you never should have told him that. That's why I want him to go to a school where they're never going to make the NCAA tournament. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> have you thought of Lehigh? <laughs> what about Ball State? It's beautiful in the spring. Name an NBA star that went to Lehigh. You went to can't. Lehigh. Yeah, there I, is actually one. 
playing currently? Currently playing. I have no idea. C.J. McCollum of wow. the Portland Trailblazers, the running mate of uh, of uh, Lillard. Lillard. Yeah, his running mate. I didn't know that. Went to Lehigh. What about or Paul? as C.J. Silas called it back in 1995, oh Lehigh. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now see that uh, making fun of her just died. Sorry, back St. Then. Louis and Chicago. You don't get that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> But if we would have had Twitter, you would have tweeted that out back then uh, and embarrassed you her. Can and it just died. You, you can go ahead. You can you can clock that as part of those ten seconds. That yeah. joke that that CJ said. That's uh, ten seconds. Seattle. Gotcha. So I'm writing that down. Hold that. on a second. Yeah. All right. So you say go. I th- I would go. I would go. All right. Yep. Four interviews. Uh, I think you're really going to be moved by the first one. I think you'll be informed and entertained by all of them. Then in our last segment, our last segment, the other stuff, the sportsy sportsy stuff, and the stuff that we've observed the last week. Hot shot before we get to an interview that I think is a must listen for everyone. You will be inspired. There's no getting around the fact that Evergreen Golf Call has been a driving force in making Mitch Unfiltered possible. The Evergreen Private Wealth Management Division has been managing families' money for decades with the goal of comfortable retirements for people all over the world. I've had personal experiences with other firms that really only want to know if I meet their minimum beforehand. Tyler Hayes' team is different in that respect. Their client compatibility survey at evergreengolfcall.com is one of several ways that Evergreen listens and understands your unique situation before even the first conversation. Everyone's risk tolerance, time horizon, investment preferences are different. Evergreen's wealth consultant gets that information ahead of time so that he or she can tailor make an approach and strategy that's perfect for you and your family's needs. Makes sense, right? There are even times that Evergreen reaches out to prospective clients to let them know that their investment philosophies just don't align, and that's okay. EvergreenGovCall.com is a perfect place to start. Just click on its client compatibility survey and answer a few questions. No commitment, just a good starting point. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest and beyond. Unfiltered. We tip here in Burlington, and we're underway in Josh Spidell's first ever NCAA basketball game. Everybody gets a touch, and here's Josh Spidell. Our next guest on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, episode 82, for my money, is the best story of the week, the best story of the month, I don't know, the best story of the year. In college hoops, most of you don't know Vermont basketball player Josh Spidell. He was thrust into the international spotlight on Tuesday night when he played in his first Division I college game and scored his first basket. But that's just the tip of the story. He is what I would call a perfect example of courage, perseverance, and dignity. Josh, what a great honor it is for me to speak with you on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for those kind words. Before I ask you to tell your story, just let us all in on what that senior night was like for you, now that you've had a few days to kind of process it, and what it meant to lay that ball in for your first basket of your career. Ah, You know, yeah, I've gotten a lot of that question a lot, and thinking about it, it's like I'm still on cloud nine, and I'm hoping – I'm going to stay up here for a while because, I mean, it feels amazing just to still reliving it in my head and just 
hearing all the support from everyone, just tell people tell me how proud they are of me, how much that means to me, and I don't know, I'm just still on cloud nine, so so grateful, so grateful. I heard you say after the game that you thought about missing on purpose so that you could add an offensive rebound under the box score, huh? Yeah, I thought about patenting my stats a little. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It was so touching for me to see the Albany players and coaches line up to congratulate you and share a few words. Do you recall what the Albany coach, Will Brown, said to you when you guys embraced after you made the shot? Yeah, well, first I just want to thank – I mean, I want to thank, I mean, just Will and – Albany and just the whole team, just the support they gave me. And I sit there and I watch the replay of the layup and just seeing the Albany bench all stand up, jump up and start cheering to just kind of put in perspective like how much they cared. I don't know. I don't think they know, but how much that meant to me. Uh, I don't think I can can't put into words like what that meant to me, but um yeah, um after after I did, I told coach that um after after I made the layup, shook up with all the guys on on the floor, I wanted to make sure I go over to Will and just thank him. And that's what I did and Will just said, I mean, he was just proud of me and he just told me congratulations and yeah, and I, I mean, I can't thank Will enough and mm-hmm. just for making that night possible. Let's go back, if you wouldn't mind, Josh, the terrific story of Josh Spidell. Go back to your youth days in basketball in the uh, in the basketball-starved state of Indiana. You always wanted to play basketball, right? You always play basketball. Did you want to be an NBA player growing up? Who'd you want to be? Who'd you idolize, Josh? I was always a Coach K fan. Yeah? I was the biggest Duke fan and Coach K fan. And, I mean, I just love the way Coach K ran his team and – just Duke was always up there and um being in in, in Indiana and just uh going through the basketball crazed high school and just like how how special that was just cuz I hear and I've been to games uh in other states like here in Vermont is just like and I think back to my high school days and it's like and I think about the gyms I played in and like so they were some of the biggest in the world and I think about my high school gym and it I mean it held four or five thousand people just being in the basketball craze high school I don't know just something I'll forever be grateful for who was your favorite player growing up my old time was Larry Bird obviously just because being from Indiana French Lake and then probably my modern um he retired, but Dirk Nowinski. Yeah. I was I was always a Dirk fan. Just yeah, just him at seven foot and just his shot and just yelling Dirk and just <laughs> doing the one legged uh post up and the one legged fadeaway. Yeah, you know, I just Dirk was always one your, of my favorites. Your guy. No one in our audience, I don't think, realizes the kind of high school basketball player you were before the accident. Columbus North High School. I hear that Josh Spidell was unstoppable. 28, 28 points per game in his senior year before the accident. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, 28 and uh, 9 or 10. Nice, yeah, nice. The all-time leading scorer in that high school's yeah. history. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. 
player of the decade in your county. I read in a little newspaper clip that they named you the player of the decade in your county. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw they came out with that. Yeah. Amazing. The funny thing is, I wasn't even the biggest uh, basketball player out there. I don't know if you've heard of Allie Patberg. No. At IU. No. She, um, I mean, she's top in the nation and uh, she's a senior, but I actually grew up all through elementary through high school and just, just Allie Patberg and just the, she started in Notre Dame, but it didn't work out and she got injured and it didn't work out. So she transferred to IU and she's just killing it there and yeah i mean i mean all i'm fine with saying i mean I, if i had to choose the team Allie would be my first pick <laughs> <laughs> all right so josh spidell is a big big superstar high school player you commit to vermont towards the uh, the middle or beginning of your of your yeah. senior year and then super bowl sunday I'm going to delicately ask you to tell us what you remember. Now, that was a big time for us out here in Seattle because the Seahawks were playing on that night against the uh, the Patriots. The Patriots shocked our beloved Seahawks. Tell us yeah. what happened and what you remember of the accident, Josh. Yeah, so um, I really honestly, I don't remember that day. I don't remember the night because we had a game the night before, and honestly, I can't recall any of that, but we had a game the night before, and I had met a met a girl there, and uh, the next day, we decided to meet at a speedway, a gas station, and we were going to drive across um, to KFC, yeah, KFC, and get something to eat. Right. But um, when I pulled out, I didn't see the car coming on my right side, and it hit the driver's side going 55 miles per per hour. And um, luckily, um, Kaylee, she was able to go home that night. I mean, she went. She just had bumps and uh, uh, scrapes. Yep. Or yeah. And so luckily, she was able to go back. And the people in the other car, they there was no no harm and then um i was really the only one that suffered um it was all all internal i i luckily had no broken bones nothing i had a severe traumatic brain injury yes what's the next thing you remember after that impact next thing i remember was waking up at rehabilitation hospital of indiana rhi and um how many weeks later i think i was in a coma for two months Two months. I want to say, yeah, but then um, I guess I woke up and, but I mean, to be honest, it wasn't until after I woke up like a couple of weeks till I was um, fully awake to remember because like there were a bunch of questions I guess I asked that when um, when I was in the state to remember, like I had no idea I asked that. So I guess there was times when I was awake, my my I just wasn't. My yeah. head wasn't fully, fully tell, up. tell our listeners, Josh, how grim the prognosis was, what the doctors told your parents when they didn't realize who they were dealing with, the toughest son of a gun in the state of Indiana. They didn't realize who Josh Bidell was and the kind of fighter you were. Tell them what they said to your parents. Yeah, you know, so um, they told my parents that I wouldn't learn above a fourth grade level and that I would have to live in a nursing home the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. And they actually, my parents, they still talk about it. They got that note from the doctors and they still haven't opened it. And 
they decided from there that they weren't going to believe that and they didn't tell me and so um i mean i think they told the doctors they said we're not going to tell chasha that and i didn't hear that until shoot maybe i was at home after yeah after the hospital and yeah, yeah and i mean i'm forever thankful is just i don't know like hearing that from the doctors while i was at the hospital i don't know what state i would have been in so forever grateful that my parents uh chose not to uh tell me about that perseverance and courage and toughness the epitome of all of that is on the telephone with us right now a little birdie told me josh that there was a matthew mcconaughey movie scene what do i need to know about that that inspired you so what i don't know if it was a movie scene but it was at a it was some awards okay. banquet and yeah. I, I don't know what awards banquet but he had this saying, and um, it's just I've tried to live by it, but he said, um, have a goal in your head of where you want to be or who you want to be and strive after it and work after it as hard as you can. And when it gets tough, don't be afraid to ask for help because there's so many people out there than you think that want to see you succeed. And, like, I guess um, I just think I heard that, and I think just think about this whole process. I think about all the people in, in Indiana. I think about all the people here in Vermont. People that I don't know, but that have just been praying for me, that have just have been willing to help me. And I just think about that, and it's just, I mean, I think it's just spot on. You were going to be, Josh, a star for Vermont. There's no question about it. Your coach, Coach Becker, said he was true to the commitment on the scholarship. You were something very, very, very special. So what has been... The last five years, like practicing off to the side, not being able to participate in the games when you were such a great high school player and you had such high aspirations. Yeah, you know, um, the first couple years, you know, it was a hard pill to swallow being on the sideline and having to sit there and just watch and wonder where I'd be at and just picture myself out there. But then um, I came to terms with it um, over the last couple of years and, like, just came to terms with the fact that, all right, you know, it stinks. This isn't going to happen, but how am I, How do I, how do I want to be remembered at the University of Vermont? Do I want to be remembered as a guy that it didn't work out and I just and – I, and I wallowed in that and I was just sad or – Am I going to make the most out of my time here? And I'm gonna, am I going to um, just better myself for the future? How long did you know that this senior night moment was going to happen? And how did you prepare yourself? How did you stay calm? Or was it easy to stay calm? Uh, no, um, I, I still don't think I'm calm from it. I'm still still thinking about it. It's just still, um, I think um, Coach... Uh, he told me a couple of weeks before um, he called me in and said that he was going to reach out to Will Brown and Albany. They were going to get me out on the court for the first possession. I just thank Will Brown and Albany and his coach for setting that up. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know how many layups I just um, I practiced that um, that day and that week, and <laughs> it's just. But then it got to the point where I was like. I don't want to overthink this. So it's like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it too much. Cause I was just, I, I took a step back and I was like, all right, I don't want to overthink it. Then I'm just going to, 
I am going to miss you because I'm overthinking <laughs> it. <laughs> In high school, you would have gone up and dunked the ball, right? Oh, yeah, I would like to think so. <laughs> uh, so, so as we finish up, Josh, here you are five years later told that you won't have uh, anything more than a fourth grade level. You've got a 3.4 GPA at Vermont. You are graduating. So answer Matthew McConaughey's question for me. What is next? What 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 is it that you want to be, Josh? I really, I know there's a opportunity opening up back home in Indiana, but like I'm telling people is like, I want like I don't want to narrow my view. I want to keep my options open. So it's like that's that is a great opportunity that What kind of opportunity is it? It's John? a sports company opening up yep. that wants me to get involved. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to narrow I don't want to narrow my view, you know. I don't want to want people to think, "Oh, Josh doing this. Uh close the door on other opportunities that may open up, you know." Yeah. Well, I got to say to you, Josh, as we finish, March is known every year for college uh-huh. basketball shining moments. I know I know that the other night wasn't part of the tournament, but I'd like to urge CBS to include what I would call the shiniest moment of them all in their montage, and that's Josh Spidell. As I said at the beginning, uh-huh. you are exactly what I would want my sons to be, perseverance, toughness, courage, and dignity. You are really, really an inspiration, and I hope you know that. You've inspired people all over the world with your story, and I am thrilled. I'm honored. I'm privileged. I'm shaking uh, to have you on on Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, thank you. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate that, and um, I think my mom was saying it's like with how many, how much um, just negative stories are out there nowadays, if I can just be a shining or a positive story, I'm fine with telling my story. It's like I'm happy to um, share my experience and share my story. If I can be a positive light for just even one person, just maybe one person needs to hear it, then I'm grateful to do it. You're wonderful, Josh. All the best. Prayers to you, my friend. Hey, thank you. Thank you. So how about that perspective on life? How about that drive and courage? Josh Spidell, why we love sports, college basketball more than the ballet. It's just about here, March Madness. You know that extra long lunch you're going to take next Thursday and Friday? Don't play dumb. You know what I'm talking about. Find the closest Zeke's Pizza location to your office. Get the crew together and watch March Madness and your brackets, all while enjoying great Northwest pizza and a craft beer or two, whether at home with delivery straight from Zeke's or one of their 17 fantastic locations, college hoops, everything's better with some signature Northwest pizza and a craft beer, and you'll be supporting one of the driving forces behind this podcast, and that's important, by the way. Dan Black and the boys have been great to me from all the way back in the radio days to present Mitch Unfiltered. It's easy to root for companies like Zeke's Pizza. So the next time you're ready for some great pizza, make it Zeke's. Download their app or visit Zeke's Pizza.com, Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
interesting episode 82 of Mitch Unfiltered that we have two fun and fabulous stories from the world of college hoops. Our next guest has become a worldwide sensation. You've undoubtedly seen the highlights. Jackson State team manager throws on the jersey on senior night, checks into the game, and buries a 35-footer. You call yourself a long-range sniper on the Today Show. Here he is, Thomas Snacks Lee. How are you, Thomas? I'm well, man. How you doing? Doing very well. You're a cold hero. Sports Center, the Today Show. I mean, it's unbelievable what's happened to your life. Right. It's most definitely been a, a humbling experience and also uh, just an honor to be you know, nac- nationally recognized. Tell me a little bit about what the last week has been like for you. Walk us through the life. For so, for so many of us, you've never experienced anything like this. Okay, so you hit the shot. We'll come back to that in a minute. What then happens to you? Tell us about your schedule the last week. Well, once I hit the shot, of course, you know it went viral and everything. And a lot of people wanted to um, interview and um, reach out and kind of get me to come in or um, uh, Skype, simply Skype them and, you know, give them my, my take on my experiences, but this week has been very um busy. It's been the feeling has been surreal. It's like none other, but of all things, um, it's been very um, it's just been very busy, you yeah. um, know. And I I've liked it so far. I mean, um, I often joke with my friends, telling them I can get used to the lifestyle. But I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you know, um, it's it's most definitely been uh, a wonderful experience. Any time that I can, you know. Uh, be nationally recognized and represent the great state of uh, Mississippi and re- represent my university and my family and friends and everything like that. It's always, um, that's always a major plus to me. So um, it's an uh, opportunity and um, it's something that I really don't take lightly. What, what, tell me some of the shows you were on and where you traveled to, Snacks. Um, I've done the Today Show. I've done, um, pardon my take, I've done uh, Sports Illustrated, The Athletic. Um, <laughs> I've, I went to um, the Today Show. Yeah. I went to uh, Sports Center Canada. Um, it's it's just been a lot of TMZ. Yeah. Um, it's it's been a lot, man. It's uh, College Game Day uh, that aired today. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot, man. It's been. I, I'm just grateful that um, so many people have gave me an opportunity to share my story, and um, it's a it's most definitely a moment in my life that I won't ever forget. Now I want to ask you about that story. We're with Thomas Snacks Lee on the Zeke's Pizza Hot Night Hotline. Which one of these shows? Were you the most nervous to do? And which one of these shows was the most fun and why? Actually, a two-in-one response. The show that I was most nervous about actually was the Today Show because it was live and it was going to be people in there, and I didn't uh, really know what to expect. But um, it was exciting because of the love and the, that all the people in there as well as the show hosts um, showed me, and they made me feel like, you know, it was just a regular day and we were having a regular conversation. So it, it had to be the Today Show. Yeah. All right, go back to Tuesday night. I'm sure people, everybody in our audience has seen it by now. You, you're the team manager for how many years? How many years? You're a senior, right? It's senior night. You're a team right. manager. You've never put on a jersey before. Go back before the game. When did you find out from the coach, hey, I want you to put on a jersey. You're going to play tonight. Um. Wow. Um, actually, me and the coach had often joked for um, probably the course of two years. My uh, the year before my senior year, we had joked and we had said, um, "I said, coach, you know, I want to be with the team. You know, I want to experience the actual, you know, player um, shoes." So he was he would joke with me often, and I would joke with him. Yeah. And uh, just one day we were sitting around, and I was playing a shooting game one day, and 
I had got hot from the, the same place I hit the shot. Long range sniper. Had, Long range sniper. Had, you know it, baby. <laughs> I had uh, I had hit like seven shots in a row from that spot. Really? And he said, if you make this next shot, I'm dressing you out in senior night. So <laughs> I, I ended up making the next one, yep. and everybody in there went nuts. And then um, <laughs> we went through the course of the season, and, you know, we often talked about it and, you know, just, just joked around about it. And, and it actually got to the moment, and um, everyone was saying, were you dressing out? Are you dressing out? Uh, not the coaches, but, you know, all the fans and players and things like that. So I asked him, and he, he okayed it, and I got cleared and everything. And he, you know, he gave me the opportunity to experience the life in, uh, of a player. Okay, so you get to dress. You wear 35 because of Durant. Is that right? Right. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. You sit on the bench. You're dressed. You, you went through warm-ups. I'm imagining you went through warm-ups. You're sitting on the bench. The game is going on. What's going through your mind as the you know the 40 minutes, the first 35 minutes are going on, and you're saying to yourself, I think I'm going in the game. And especially when you guys had such a big lead, you, you had to get start to get revved up and get a little nervous about the opportunity, right? Right, I did, actually. Um, a, a funny thing I found I found very funny um, about this experience was on the bench I joked with my friends. You know, I told them, I said, man, you know what? Man, I'm hungry for some reason. <laughs> and, um, and they were like, no, you're just nervous. And, and then, so I was acting like our um, strength and conditioning coach that was sitting on the bench with us. I asked her, did she have, you know, like some peach rings or some Skittles or something? So um, <laughs> we found that kind of funny. So I ended up asking our athletic trainer for some – he had some cough drops, and I, I got a couple of those, and it kind of uh, kind of uh, piped down the hunger a little bit. And then I um, – we ended up going on a, like a big run right before the last media timeout. Yeah. And it was like once I saw we was up so much and everybody chanting, we want snacks, my hands started sweating. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it was it was wild. It was wild. So they were chanting in the stands, right? We want snacks. We want right. snacks, right? And then right. And then the coach turns and he points to you what does he say snacks get in does he how does he put you in the game at that point at that point what happened was um we went into the timeout and everyone was cheering yep. and uh, when he walked to come talk to the team um i had started to take my shooting top off and the crowd went nuts <laughs> and, I, and he walked by me and i told him i said i'm ready <laughs> he said just give he said just give me two more minutes and i got you so once uh it was the last possession before the two minute mark i walked to the table and you know, it was the time was now. <laughs> and you came in with how many minutes to go? What was the time on the clock? Um, I think it was about two minutes and um, two seconds or something like that. Yeah, and then you had you got a couple shots. I mean, we've all seen the shot that you made. How far? What what, what are we calling that? We calling that thirty five feet? We calling it forty? What are we calling it? Snacks? I'm calling it forty. forty? <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it forty. Okay, we're calling it forty. But yeah, I was just, I was just joking with one of my friends. <laughs> Today, I find it ironic that we, we uh, try to still determine the measurement of that okay. three-pointer. All right. We'll call it logo. Logo distance, okay? Logo. Logo okay, distance. Okay. I like that. All right. I like that. All right. But, but that wasn't the first shot you took. None of us have seen the highlights from the first. Didn't you take two shots before that? I want to know about the ones you missed, Snacks. Uh, I actually took three shots. My first shot was from the same spot, but the air ball. So <laughs> once, I got my, <laughs> once I got my feet up under me, man, I was rolling off a lot of confidence. My teammates. Uh, steadily told me, you know, shoot the ball. This is your moment. We want to see you shine. So, um, to kind of, you know, feel feel that love from the teammates, it was it was special. Uh, did you hear from Durant? Did I hear that right? Did, did he text right, you or um, tweet you? What happened? He tweeted me. And, he tweeted me and said, "I see you snipe." <laughs> so that was very that was very special to me. Anytime 
you know, your favorite player knows who you are uh, or knows uh, something that you've done and recognizes you for is always special. All right. Tell everybody, I know you've been asked this a million times, and I apologize for that. Tell everybody how you got the nickname Snacks. You've been around that program. You were a Mississippi kid. You've been around that program for a long time, right? Right. I've been around the program for 15 years. And um, when I was coming around the program early in the years, um, most times I'd go in the locker room and have Skittles and M&Ms and nachos and things like that. And I would eat them in the locker room and often give players snacks as well. So over the course of years, no one really ever knew my name. They always spoke, you know, but uh, no one ever really called my name. So one day a couple of the players were like, we got to give them a name. So they just ended up uh, calling me Snacks, and it stuck with me from there, and it began to get more popular and more popular as the years progressed. My first boss in Seattle was Tom Lee, Thomas Lee. He wasn't called Snacks, though, and he didn't look like you, and he couldn't <laughs> shoot. He couldn't shoot look he lo- look like you, Thomas. So, uh, okay, so you, you become a star, you become a hero, you become a viral sensation. You go to New York, you go to Today Show. I was just talking to your SID or one of your guys there. He says in the game since that game that you guys have played a couple times, even the opposing team they want to – players on the opposing team want pictures. You're getting swarmed at the hotel. People want autographs. What's that been like, Thomas? It's been a different lifestyle. Um, anytime where you can go into an airport or a game or simply go to the scores table to get the stats for your team and people want to record you or um, <laughs> take pictures with you or, you know, acknowledge you for what you've done, it's very special. And it's, um, it's something that I want to make sure, you know, that I show the same love and compassion to those people as well, you know. I love the fans. I love um, all the love and support. So I just want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm the same person behind closed doors and the same person in person. So, you know. I love you. I love you, Thomas Snacks. Lee, listen, did you play – did you play hoops in, in high school? Did you play sports in high school? What was your athletic Um, career going on? I played – I actually – I played um, around with the team. I was a manager at that level as well. And – I often did the same thing I do in college now. I often wanted this moment. I wanted this moment not only uh, in college, but, you know, in middle school and high school as well, but the opportunity never presented itself. So for it to be the highest level of basketball, this was where I got that moment at. It was a great experience. Are you graduating in a couple of months? Right, I graduated in May. Okay. May 2nd. And what's next for Thomas Snacks Lee? What's next up? I think the next route would be um, to begin my journey as, as a uh, coach because I, um, I often – uh, have uh, talks with myself saying that I want to write a documentary one day. So oh. um, it was going to be called, you know, from ball boy to uh, luxury or something like that <laughs> in that nature. You know, so um, um, it was often a dream of mine, you know, oh. to actually be a coach one day. I wanted to, you know, kind of give an overview of each uh, level on my journey. No, no longer is he the long range sniper. He's the logo sniper. Now, before you go, before you run on me, we have a rule on this podcast, all right? Let me tell you the rule on the podcast. Okay, what's the rule? The rule is that no man leaves the podcast that has a nickname of Snacks without ranking his top five snacks wow. one to five. Now, I want you to start at five. Now, think about this. I know I'm catching you off guard. Think about this. This is very, very important. A man like you has got to rank them for us. Start at five and work your way up. Your five favorite Snacks, Thomas. Okay, let's see. My five favorite snacks would be number five, Skittles. Okay. Marshawn Lynch out here loves Skittles. <laughs> number four, Starburst gummies. Starburst gummies, okay. 
Number three, flaming hot munchies. Oh, flaming hot munchies is my favorite. You mean the with the with all the mix in there with the right? Oh, I love flaming hot munchies. That's my favorite. Go ahead. Number two would be Twinkies. <laughs> okay, the old Twinkies. And number one. Hold on, hold on. Drum roll. I'm drum rolling for you. <laughs> number one would be Doritos. Doritos. Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese? Yes, sir. All right. That's fantastic. You're the best, Thomas. Uh, Thomas Lee Snacks joining us and everybody else in the world after his fabulous night on Tuesday night. If you haven't seen it yet, go online and you can't miss it. We're calling it 40 feet from the logo. 40 feet from the logo. Thomas Snacks Lee, Jackson State University. We love you, Thomas. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Don't you have to love snacks? Thomas Lee, Jackson State University manager, turned long-range sniper right there on Mitch Unfiltered. Have you ever been craving a Daniel's broiler meal, but circumstances prevented you from going to your favorite Daniel's or had friends over and wished you could serve them a Daniel's meal? Problem solved. You can now enjoy the prime steaks and seafood offered by Daniel's in the comfort of your own home, Daniels now offers home delivery from all four Daniels through DoorDash. That's right. Daniels now offering home delivery of their menu through DoorDash. Enjoy Daniels' world-class prime steaks and seafood in the comfort of your own home for any occasion. Daniels' world-class 8-ounce USDA prime filet mignon or a grilled king salmon. Just two of your many choices. Enjoy Daniels' world-class quality in the comfort of your own home through DoorDash. Locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshine Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown high at Regency Daniels Broiler world-class steakhouses unfiltered they're going to run this ball Kansas City's got to sell out there's a hand off to Burkhead Burkhead pulls ahead and scores the touchdown Brock's got a chip running back's got a help so he has time to throw once again Edelman in the middle of the field Sealed down the middle. Edelman again with a third down catch. Gronk is out wide. Watch the top of your screen. Watch this safety. If he comes down, there's a good chance he's throwing out there. It's Gronk for the first down. As episode 82 continues, you know, the craziest part of the NFL offseason is turning into the broadcaster free agency and trade sweepstakes. <laughs> And no one covers it all quite like Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. He broke the Romo contract story. Did you ever think you'd see the day, Andrew, that this stuff would take on kind of a life of its own and that somebody would sign, what, $18 million a year for 10 years with, uh, with CBS? As we got farther or further into the story, I thought maybe he gets that type of money. But if you asked me a year ago if there would be a broadcaster making $18 million a year, I would have thought that's a little nuts, uh, but uh, you know that contract has everyone in media talking because uh, ten years, one hundred eighty million dollars, isn't something you really thought expect to see. How many games will he do for eighteen million a year? Will he do something like 30, 35 games because he does two a week, Thursday night and Sunday's prime game on no, CBS? No, Mitch, it'll be more like twenty twenty two because they don't have Thursday anymore. Oh, and so uh, yeah, you count. Let's say he does two exhibitions. 
uh, 16 weeks or, you know, right now, probably be 17 by next year, wow. a 17 weeks, let's call it 19 does, let's say two playoff games. Uh, so that's, what is that? 21. And then if they have the Super Bowl, which they do next year, it's 22. Wow. So it's not, it's not a bad, not a bad per game rate. Oh my God. Uh, you can say that again. What What do you think is the attraction, Andrew, to Tony Romo? I, you know, I watch the games like everybody else. I think he's enjoyable to listen to. When I heard the numbers on this contract, I just almost fell out of my chair. What What is the appeal? What is the appeal of Tony Romo to the football fan, do you think? Well, I think, number one, he comes off very authentic in terms of you feel like if he were sitting on – your couch next to you and you're watching the game, he'd be saying the same things with the same sort of enthusiasm for like, Oh, can you believe that play? And although that sounds obvious, uh, that doesn't always come across. Some guys come across stiff uh, and he, he doesn't come across. Always. So I think that's the first thing. Obviously the prediction have become a huge thing, especially, I mean, the one game, like I, I, I could see people maybe not liking you know, Tony Romo, everyone kind of has their own opinion on analysts and broadcasters and who they like, who they don't like. But I do, you have to say, though, the AFC championship game back in 2019 between the Pats and the Chiefs, when he's calling play after play, that was incredible. And that, and, and some people say, well, I don't want to know what the play was coming, you know, what, what play is going to be. That could be a criticism. But he was on top of it play after play, and it was pretty incredible. And so I think that type of performance is really kind of what's propelled him uh, into kind of right now, you have to say, he's the modern day John that. Wow. Uh, Andrew Marchand is with us. Andrew, when I was reading your piece, your piece is story after story, maybe I misunderstood what you were trying to get across. It almost seemed like CBS, for all the money that they paid Tony Romo to stay, was ready to let him walk if they could have gotten a deal done with Peyton Manning. It left me confused. Your pieces left me confused as to, did CBS, what was their number one choice? Would it have been Manning or Romo? Well, I didn't mean to leave you confused. That's the point <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> to answer your question, Peyton Manning at $12 million, they liked better than Tony Romo ultimately at $18 million. And when they made the offer for $12 million, they didn't know what the number was going to be. And they also didn't know if he was going to go to ESPN. So they were thinking, let's move plan B to plan A, see if we can get it at a relatively – like a discount sounds crazy for $12 million a year for a broadcaster, but feeling like we have, we'd have the same starter power, QB, Hall of Famer uh, in Peyton Manning. And so, so to answer your question, you it, it can't really say that they that they wanted Manning more than Romo, but that the number that they were talking at that point, yeah. uh, I think they would have been happier at a cheaper number. Are we sure Manning's going to be great? I mean, everybody's wanted him. Monday Night Football's wanted him. CBS has wanted him. Everybody's trying to get him into the booth since he left the field. Andrew, are you sure? Is anybody sure that he's going to be as great as everybody thinks he's going to be when he puts a microphone on? Well, Mitch, the big thing about this, though, and why the money is so large is because where we are in terms of the overall league negotiations with the networks, which are going to be for billions of dollars, of course, and all the networks want to impress the NFL as much as possible, besides the fact they're going to be writing checks that, like I said, are going to be for billions of dollars. So, yes, it's important that Peyton Manning's good, but it's more important that they have Peyton Manning on their side if they didn't have Tony Romo. 
So when you go into those, those negotiations, it's like, all right, well, who's going to do the Super Bowl? All right, well, we have Tony Romo. Okay, ABC, ESPN, Disney is now trying to get Peyton Manning. So they can go into those, those negotiations and say, who's going to do the Super Bowl? All right, we have Peyton Manning. So that's where the money gets into it. Now, will he be good? I think, you know, how good Peyton Manning will be, I think, is undetermined. But the, the idea that he will be good, I think, is a pretty fair uh, assumption. Well, you know, Aikman, as good as Aikman, um, and maybe even as good as Romo, because uh, Romo does have his spots where he seems to um, not be as interested. In the big game, he, he's interested. In the big moment, he's, he's tremendous. There's a second quarter sometimes where Tony seems to drift off a little bit. But <laughs> the bottom line is that's not really the important thing for the networks and why these guys are getting so much money. It's They're really trying to impress the people on Park Avenue at the NFL who will decide – who gets the next deals and what they get in particular, especially Super Bowls. Andrew, don't we all drift off in the second quarter? Tony's allowed to drift off also. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. Not on your podcast, though. No, nobody's drifting off on this podcast. I know that. All right, so now we turn our attention to ABC. Or I, I say ABC Monday Night Football. Sorry about that. I'm an old-timer. That's okay. ESPN's it might be Monday- soon. You might be ahead of the story, Mitch. <laughs> ESPN's Monday Night Football. You and everybody else are riding. They want to somehow get Manning to agree to do this. I had your old buddy Jimmy Traina on the last episode, and he said something like he doesn't think Manning has done it because he didn't want to do games about his brother or Tom Brady. I don't know if that's true. So ESPN not only wants Manning, but now we're floating around the idea of an off-season trade where they would try to bring Al Michaels from NBC. Now, why? Why would NBC trade Al Michaels and let him do Monday Night Football again with ESPN? Yeah, at first glance, you say, no, no way. And that's maybe where it will end up. But Al is 75. He has two years left on his contract, which includes the Super Bowl. But they have already hired Mike Tirico to replace him. So in two years, he'll be replaced. Al hasn't really lost barely anything, if anything. Still, if not the best, one of the best at doing it. So does he want to do it longer? And if he does, here's an opportunity to do it, perhaps with Peyton Manning, and still with a Super Bowl on the uh, horizon. So the bottom line is they could go into the um, negotiations with uh, Al Michaels, and they could, you know, and, and what they could be doing is making a trade where Al uh, goes there and they get something in return, and it works out for Al, who probably would get a raise, maybe even double his salary, uh, work with Peyton Manning, while NBC opens it up for Mike Tirico to work with Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night. What's the leverage when these you, – you keep talking about how the networks are trying to get in position to impress the NFL when they go back to the TV deal – do the TV deals. Is What what are they worried about? Is NBC getting back in the game? Is there another network that could come in and swoop one of the packages away? What, what exactly – uh, would Fox, CBS, ESPN be afraid that that would happen in these negotiations? Well, I think, number one, CBS, and they're all afraid that ESPN and Disney's going to just throw so much money at that they might take another package. Fox is going to go after another package. So they're all, you know, the NFL's most important aspect for network television. It's uh, the top 50 shows, nearly all 50 of them are uh, football. 
So that's why they, they're scared to lose it. Uh, Andrew Marchand, great stuff. New York Post, follow him on online, follow him on Twitter. He's on top of this stuff better than everybody else. We've got Tony Romo making $18 million a year to call football games. Never thought I'd ever say that. And I guess all these other guys, uh, Andrew, all these other guys like like Aikman and all the other number one, all these other analysts are going to now start making much more money as a result of the Romo deal, right? Yeah, they probably will. They're, they're at least going to ask for it. <laughs> Andrew, thanks so very much for being on Mitch Unfiltered. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me, man. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. Do you think that Tony Romo, when he was a rookie in the NFL, thought that someday he'll make more money broadcasting games than he did playing in the league? $18 million a year for 10 years, $180 million, and the reports are that ESPN is about to offer Peyton Manning even more than that. Unbelievable the amount of money that's being thrown around by the networks covering the NFL. Have you checked into refinancing your home? Have you checked out the new numbers? Interest rates in the threes. Do what Steve Dion, our executive producer, did and give Jordan Flowers' team a call at the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage. Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July. Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi, um, just the way the market has been with, with interest rates dropping as they have. Kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences. One of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance. Uh, he bought that out completely, um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment, amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate. Really easy process. You know, I'm working with Jordan and Christina there. Not not bad for a coog, you know. I I was uh, hesitant to put my uh, put my dollars and cents into uh, the hands of a, a Wazoo grad, but. You know, it all turned out t- turned out well thus far. From beginning to end, Steve, how long did it take? It took about a month total. How long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month? It's about a 15-minute call. When you include the mortgage insurance, how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage? I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month. On top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both both sides. So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you could be saving in a refinance is on point. Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every month. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my Tumblr? (laughs) There it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. You could start saving big time today. Steady went for the reverse. 
Gettings has it stripped. Another forced turnover. Two on one. Bay gets it up. Vic Daniel slams it. Hard to believe that with this episode 82, when 83 drops next week, we will have our 68-team March Madness brackets in our paws. Our guy all season long has been Jeff Goodman, Stadium Sports, Good and Plenty Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Goodman Hoops, longtime ESPN college basketball insider. So here we are, Jeff, major conference tournament week. I'm very curious We've been saying all along that this is a crazy year in college basketball because there's a very small difference between the haves and have not. So if that's true, we will see low seeds beat high seeds at an interesting rate this week, right? I think so. I mean, listen, I, I, I hope so. I think so. Um, it, it's It's been a crazy year and, and a fun year. Again, if you're a college hoop diehard like uh, you and I are because – you just don't know what to expect. There hasn't been that dominant team. There haven't been dominant players, which I think can hurt the NCAA tournament a little bit, not having those dominant players. But teams, listen, if you get in right now uh, and you're an at-large team, or even if you're not, even if you're an automatic uh, bid, uh, you know, like a Utah State who yeah. just beat San Diego State to win the Mountain West, right? you, you feel like, honestly – you're Sam Merrill and, and Nemes Keda. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got a chance. You got a chance here. It's going to be exciting for the next couple of weeks, obviously. Uh, let's get some fearless predictions from Jeff Goodman. I haven't put you I haven't put you on the hook at all this year. Let's put you on the hook, and we're going to obviously record this and play the – if you're wrong, we'll play these things back to you. If you're right, we'll forget that we ever even asked you about them. Which, which ones of these big conference tournaments will be the most upside down, do you think? Oh, boy. I would say uh, I think the Pac-12. I, I think anybody can win. I mean, so many teams have a shot to win the Pac-12. I think, you know, I saw Michigan State today uh, beat Ohio State. It was senior day. I, I think they're the they're the dominant team to me in, in the Big Ten. I think you got ACC. You got three that are clear-cut. One of those three, Louisville, Florida State, or um, Duke, are going to probably win that uh, league turn. I guess Virginia has a shot, but yeah. I don't yeah. see them. Yeah. Uh, doing it. Big East is open. You know, I, I think that's a good one. But I, I think the Pac-12 is just so wide open. And uh, anybody, any one of six teams could, could honestly win it. You saw Washington beat Arizona and Arizona State on the road this week. Any chance that they can get right just at the exact right time and, and do something crazy in the Pac-12 tournament? Or is four games just way too many for Washington? Too many. Yeah. yeah, I think it's too many. I think if you're talking three games, maybe. I think four would be tough. But, um, listen, anything's possible. I want uh, uh, Georgia win yeah. five games in four days. Yeah. They had to play two games in a day. I was there. The tornado hit the yeah. Georgia Dome. Yeah. And uh, they didn't they didn't play it in front of fans. The championship game, it was awesome. So anything is possible, uh, but I don't like their chances. Which tournament has the most on the line? And let's define that as so much to play for for bubble teams, teams that could play their way in, play their way out. Is there a conference tournament where you feel a lot like the NCAA tournament where there's so much on the line in these early and mid-round games, Jeff? I think it's spread out, Mitch. I, I really do. I think, you know, you look at it and you look at, you know, Big Ten's got like Indiana and Purdue and Big East has Xavier and ACC is NC State. And 
Pac-12 is UCLA and Stanford. The American is Wichita. Big 12 is Texas. Uh, A-10 is like Richmond, maybe URI. Uh, so I don't think there's any one in particular. I think the most the, – the, the team, the school that uh, has the most on the line is Texas for me because I think it determines whether Shaka Smart is the coach at Texas next year. Wow. And that determines the coaching carousel wow. and how crazy it gets because if they don't make a move with Shaka Smart, there's not going to be a ton open, and uh, it could be a very, very slow high major coaching carousel. You think he has to go to the NCAA tournament to retain his job? I do, but I think there's a chance even if he goes and retains his job, he could look for an, another spot like a Wake Forest. Oh, okay, I got you. Wouldn't shock me. All right, yeah. let's talk about what happened this past weekend with Baylor going down in the Big 12 towards the end of the Big 12 regular season. What did that do to shake up the top four seeds as we head into these conference tournaments. I assume you're going to tell us that that Kansas and Gonzaga are two of the number ones at this moment. Uh, Kansas has got great footing. If Gonzaga were to lose, get shocked in the WCC, would they still be okay for a one seed or will it depend upon what happens around them around the country? I think as long as they lose to to one of BYU or St. Mary's, they're still set as a one. Okay. And I think Dayton has now played itself into a one as long as it wins the A-10 tournament, which right. it's not a lot to do, but I, I think that the odds are pretty good. Um, so I think those three, if the season ended today, are locks. And I would go Baylor as the fourth number one. I, I just think the resume, I know they've, they've faltered here in the last couple of weeks, but, man, the resume was so strong. To me, they were clearly the number one team in America before the last two weeks. Okay, but you would agree that Baylor would be on the thinnest of ices of those four teams, yeah. Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Dayton. So, who, who, Jeff Goodman, is number one on the wait list? Who's sitting there as either the top two or the second top two that if they go through their tournament, win their tournament, and get a little help from somebody in one of these other four tournaments that you're talking about, I guess it would be three with Kansas and Baylor in the same conference, which which of the twos are chomping at the bit to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? So the easy answer would be a San Diego State or a Florida State if they win the ACC. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, uh, it's Creighton if they win the Big East tournament. I just think that league has been so strong this year that, to me, wow. they should be rewarded. If they win the Big Big East tournament, they'll have beaten some good teams to win it, and they can jump a team like Florida State. Frankly, the ACC isn't close to as good as the Big East is this year. So, to me, I, I'd be rewarding um, a team like Creighton if they could run it. I know they have seven losses. It's a lot of losses. Um, but I just think the Big East is so strong this year, and they've got some really, really good road wins. All right, final two questions for Jeff Goodman. Good and plenty. Goodman Hoops, Stadium Sports. Uh, he's on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, was at the Michigan State game over the weekend to see uh, Cassius Winston play his final game. Player of the year. Give me the top three in order, Jeff, right now. Oh, boy, this is the hardest decision, I think, um, we have to make right now between it's a two it's a two man race right now to me it's it's Luka Garza of Iowa and Obi Toppin of Dayton and I'm gonna go with Luka Garza only because I feel like he plays better competition day in and day out what he's done in the Big Ten 
is remarkable putting up the numbers he has because frankly he's got up against a good big man every single night in that league where Obi Toppin has some nights where he can he can take it off and still be plenty effective because the A ten is not it's a one bid league right now. It's a one bid league. So I, I go with those two. And then number three, I'll go Peyton Pritchard. Okay. I'll go Peyton Pritchard. I, I think he's been that good and that clutch for Oregon and carrying them when they haven't had, you know, a, a ton of uh firepower up front for him why do i think that number three on your list is going to pick up his team and be unbelievable in the ncaa tournament he's just the type of guy isn't he point guards in the ncaa tournament and a guy with his experience i could see him being superhuman in the ncaa tournament listen i'm i'm very close to going out on a limb and picking oregon to win it all and i know nobody else wow wow yeah i think again i gotta see the brackets but They're kind of my, my sneaky pick now that they have Nefali Dante back. They're my sneaky pick to maybe go on a little bit of a run here. And I think if they do well in the Pac-12 tournament, but not too well. I don't want them to, you know, to me, you almost don't want your team to play uh, in the championship game. Uh, but I think, you know, go to the semis. Yes. Uh, get, the, get a couple days off, get some rest, and then get back at it. Especially this year. Because yeah. what does it really matter? An extra seeding line or maybe two? Doesn't what matter. does it? It That's means right. nothing because we don't know these ones, these yep. twos, these threes, these fours, these fives and sixes. They're all the same. So if, if it's a, if it's a question of rest versus being a I don't know a five instead of a six, I, I just don't see where it makes any kind of difference. We all know that it comes down to matchups anyway, and there's no difference between these two these teams, which is going to make it fascinating when you and I discuss the brackets next week. All right, before you go, coronavirus, I'd be remiss. I'm sitting here kind yeah. of at ground zero here in the, the Pacific Northwest. We're all kind of holding our breaths here in the Seattle area. What's the story? There were some rumors both in the NBA and in college basketball that they would consider – uh, playing in empty arenas, if if that's the safe route in the NCAA tournament, do you see that happening, or w- what do you think is still left to come in this story, Jeff? I talked to Dan Gavitt, who runs the NCAA tournament, the other day, and he said, as of now, uh, the plan is still to to play it as normal. Uh, but he said, listen, health is our primary concern. Things can change and have changed quickly, and we're not going to put people at risk. Uh, so they're going to keep talking to the CDC and um, other outlets to try to get as much information as possible and make an informed decision probably right before the tournament starts. You know, they still got another uh, week here. Right now it's conference tournaments. Right. And those are the ones making their own decisions individually. <laughs> but once the NCAA tournament starts here in about a week and change, starting with the first four in Dayton uh, on Tuesday, they're going to have to make a decision whether whether they, they feel like it's – um, too much of a risk to, to have it in front of fans or, or whatnot. I tell you, obviously, we all hope that we can get our arms around this and pretty quickly, and I don't mean to make a joke out of this, but of all the seasons to not have fans at the NCAA tournament, just as if this wasn't crazy enough, could you just yeah. imagine? Uh, we would, I- I'm telling you, we would, we'd have like, a, I don't know, we'd have a 10, an 8, a 12 and a 13 in the final four would be the nuttiest NCAA tournament of them all. Jeff Goodman, you got to read him on Twitter, follow him very closely over the next seven days 
as we uh, as we count you down to Selection Sunday in March Madness. And of course, Jeff will be with us on episode 83 that we'll record right after the brackets come out, so he can help us win our our office pool. Jeff, you're the best. <laughs> Good tra- luck. Tra- yeah. <laughs> Travel safe, and we'll don't, talk don't, to you next don't week. Don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame me when you lose your money next week. Whatever you do, I'll talk to you next week. But appreciate it, man. Thank you, Jeff. You got it. Unfiltered. All right, four interviews, other stuff time. Sports, non-sports, other stuff time. Before we get there, I mentioned in the first segment, I'm going to run a Twitter poll. I want your prediction. I'll run it for two or three days or maybe a day, a day or two, and I'll say, hey, I was looking, I'll, I'll explain what the trip is. Basketball trip, the three boys looking forward to it, celebrating Max, yada, yada, yada. Should we go in terms of the coronavirus? What do you think the results of that Twitter poll are going to be? Percentage, yes or no? Well, Twitter's, we a, go? Twitter's a weird place because it turns out a lot of people who follow me also hate my guts for some reason. Who don't they hate? <laughs> right. Get so, in line. So people may be saying, oh, well, man, you, you should go. the vibe of this podcast every well, single week. But they hated me before I did this. I mean, <laughs> they hated me back in KJR. Where's Graz? Hot shot sucks. I got that every day. But I think people might be rooting for you to go and catch it. So you got to be, you know, you got to factor that in too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They might say, I didn't oh, know you go. were going there. Yeah, sure. If, they want me to catch it. Well, maybe some do. Yeah. Why do they follow you if they want you to catch the coronavirus? It's the mystery of Twitter. Like I said, they follow me and they hate my guts. Okay, well, considering all of that, what okay. is the, what are the results? Which side's going to win? Yes, go. No, don't go. And by what count? Is it just strictly yes, no, that's it? Should I go? I'll explain the okay. chip in the top of it, and I'll say, should we go? Yes or no air on the side of caution, don't go. What is the answer going to be from our audience? It's going to be 56% yes and 44% no. I think it's going to be close, but I think the yeses are going to... I I think this is going to start to settle down a little bit, and I think the panic's going to maybe subside. I'm not saying people aren't still getting sick, but I think the panic's going to subside a little bit. Okay. And I think by Friday, you'll be happy you made the right choice. If we go, you realize we're going to come back on Sunday, a week now, when we're getting ready for episode 83. And when we come back on Sunday, it will be Selection Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yes. And... In Seattle, you can put me on the clock here for the local stuff. In Seattle, we haven't talked much about Selection Sunday in college basketball because the local team, with all of their diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale would call them, went went down the toilet, right, with the toilet paper that we don't have. It looks like it's a party that Husky fans aren't invited to. But then something happened. They went to Arizona. They beat Arizona State on the road, an Arizona State team that's going to the tournament. They turn around two days later and beat Arizona on the road. That's something that doesn't happen very often going and sweeping them. Both teams are going to the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, Washington's playing with confidence. All of a sudden, this crazy year of college basketball where everybody can beat everybody else. This is what's making it so interesting this year. 2020, Washington going to the, going, I guess, on Wednesday to the Pac-12 tournament and probably expected to lose the very first game. Could they? Is it possible? Well, you said a week ago that you're not counting them out from winning the I am not completely counting them out. Now, it it would be very – I don't want to mislead here. I'm not saying, oh, Washington's going to the tournament and winning. I just think that this would not be Buster Douglas 
beating Mike Tyson because of the environment that we're talking about. We're just talking about a bunch of teams. Let me just put it this way. Washington was supposed to be very, very good. They came out of the box and they beat Baylor, one of the best teams in the country, like in the first game. Doesn't Baylor have like two losses or something? Yes, they're going to be like a number one seed. One of them was Washington. Right, Washington on neutral (laughs) floor. Washington was supposed to be very good. They had all this talent. And then what happened? The point guard got suspended. He was kind of the glue of the team, the quarterback of the team, and they went right down the toilet. Everybody started hating on McDaniels, and they loved Stewart, yada, yada, yada. Okay? All All of a sudden, they're playing better basketball. I would just say this, that if they were going to restart the Pac-12 the Pac-12 season today, you know, on the pinball machine, you hit reset and it starts all over again. Timely, but yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know when you're playing Pong on your home? On your home you we probably did it last night. I'm sure. Go on, yes. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. But then the doubles won. Oh. Oh. You get the you get the the rally of a, a front men, the two front men. Anyway, yes, when you anyway, reset the pinball machine, go anyway, on. Anyway, not. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Where when was you it? reset the pinball machine? If if we reset the Pac-12 season and we started today, after the two games in Arizona, the experts would say Washington would be one, even without the point guard. Washington would be one of the best four or five shots to win the if you restarted yeah. the season today. Maybe I'm a little bit high on that or aggressive on that, but anyway. I'm just starting off the other stuff segment by saying, hey, let's just see see what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. That's all I'm saying. I at least have a reason to watch now. You sure do. I'm excited to watch. You sure do. It would not be the craziest thing in the world. Is there a chance that this team just it took a while to figure out how to play without their point guard? Yes. I mean, that could be it. And it also, dare I say, took a while for McDaniels to kind of mature a little bit. Yeah. You know, I saw him dunk on someone. There was a little bratty spoiledness going on there well, early in there. Maybe he's come alive a little bit. I don't know. I, yeah. I, and, and again, again, please don't inundate me with letters at MitchUnfilter.com when they lose in the first round. They're supposed to lose in the first round yeah. of the Pac-12 tournament. If they do, please don't like, Mitch, I, you told us it. No, I'm just saying that the difference, they're like the, the lowest seed in the Pac-12 tournament. The difference between them and, let's say, number one and number two of the 12 teams yeah. is the smallest margin in the history of co- college basketball. This is college basketball this year, and this is in every conference. The ACC tournament, take the ACC tournament. The difference between number one, and I think that's Louisville or Duke or Florida State, one of those teams. <clears throat> the difference between number one and the worst team in the ACC typically is the difference between my looks and yours. Right. Okay. Got you. <clears throat> this year, the the worst team on a neutral for, floor, if they beat the best team in the conference, no one would even shake their No one would even turn their head. Yeah. So I, that's all I'm saying. Right. No, I know what you're saying. I'm excited to watch. I can't wait. I hope they figured it out. It'd it's nice. going to make for an incredible NCAA tournament. Right. The Let's put it this way. These companies that offer you like $10 million for a perfect bracket, <laughs> yeah. they're safe every year because no one can ever do it. Yeah. They are really safe this year. It's going to be impossible. It always is impossible. Right. That's what I, but I'm, I'm, I'm underscoring it. It's going to be – these brackets are going to be awful. The winning brackets are going to be the reception. The receptionist is going to have the, 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 the winning bracket right. in every pool. Right, and the receptionist will have one of four teams in the final four. It'll yeah. just be like the worst bracket, but it'll still be good enough yeah, to win. Yeah, it'll be good enough to I, win. I'm excited for championship week. All these conference tournaments are going to be great. Charles Barkley versus Draymond Green. Have you been following Tell this at Draymond all? Tell Draymond Green to shut the hell up. Have you, are you not a fan of J, Draymond Green? Well, not really. 
Yeah, Charles Barkley. Especially with what he said. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take your job. First of all, okay, go ahead, go ahead. For the people who don't know, go ahead. Well, you're right. I mean, Barkley said he wanted to punch Draymond Green in the face over the way he acts right. in 2018. And then they, they came together on the set of the finals, and it looked sort of mildly apologetic. But then Barkley recently said that Green got himself ejected from the team's recent game because he just didn't want to play against the Lakers. Well, Draymond Char- didn't like that. All right, Charles, and then Draymond said what? Barkley Be careful, should, I'll take your job. Yeah, he should stop before I take his job because I can do that well, too. He also can't talk basketball with me and either he didn't make. Not smart enough, not qualified, and no rings. And Barkley didn't make enough money playing basketball, yeah. so he needs that job. He, right. went, he went there yeah. and everything. Uh, I, I don't know really what Charles Barkley said. Probably he was off the wall and whatever Charles Barkley is. Draymond Green is an idiot. Draymond Green is so clearly, in the last three or four years, auditioning for TV roles while he's playing. Uh, it's so <laughs> kind of transparent and clear. That's funny. He just wants to be this outspoken, outlandish guy that everybody wants to love and hire. When his, and, and let's just remember one thing. This would be kind of an interesting conversation if at least Draymond Green, the basketball player, was better than Charles Barkley. I mean, there's no way... Draymond Green, the broadcaster, is going to be better than Charles Barkley because there is no NBA broadcaster that is better than Charles Barkley. He's the man. He's the standard. But on top of that, (laughs) he was 10 times the player that Draymond Green was. (laughs) Yeah. 10 times the player that Draymond. So shut the F up. That's what I have to say to Draymond Green. Barkley had a pretty funny line on, on his TV show. He said, Draymond is now averaging a triple single. (laughs) <laughs> and that got Shaq, that, that got a big laugh out of Shaq, which probably didn't uh, help. A triple single. Do you think of Bryce, it's my turn, yes. do you think of Bryce Harper as a smart guy? When you look at Bryce Harper, do you uh, see smart guy? No, but I, I, I sort of have a, a biased opinion over baseball players anyway because being in the locker room, I was around the Mariners a lot, and they just don't seem like the brightest group, and I don't know He doesn't look like the is. sharpest yeah. tool in the shed. I think maybe part of it is because a lot of them don't go to college maybe. I don't know. He he in I don't know that I have that feeling that you have, okay. but he in particular just seems like a dude with not much to say. Yeah, like a bro. But I'd like to say something nice about Bryce Harper. Oh, great. He made a comment about the whole Houston Astros controversy that I think I think is very very smart, well thought out, and I wonder why I didn't come up with it. Okay. And why I haven't heard it up until now. Bryce Harper was asked about the Astros and the whole mess, and he's like, yeah, they tainted baseball and whatever. He says, but here's the thing. We all thought that they were great, great, great back in the day. Let's see how they do this year. Let's calm down and see how all these hitters do without knowing the signs. Without, we all thought they were great. You know what? If they were great, they'll be great this year, yeah. and they'll win their division, and they'll win. They may go to the World Series, and they'll be a great offensive team, and then we'll all just say, you know what? I guess it didn't really – yeah, it, they shouldn't have done it, but how much did it really matter? Here they were clean as, clean as a whistle and still dominating. Yeah. He said, and on the flip side, if they suck, if they go down the toilet, then we know. Yeah. It was really more tainted than we think because, look, they tried to play it clean. They couldn't play it. Yeah. I, I, I like that, that line of thinking yeah. from Bryce Harper. Yeah, that's good pragmatic thinking. I think so. I, I, think yeah. so. Anyway. I like it. Goose Gossage was weighing in. You remember Goose Gossage? Well, of course. Former Mariner. <laughs> remember Michael Jordan? <laughs> well, Goose said that guys used to steal signs all the time. This oh, isn't like a new thing. Of course. He said we know that, that, though. Robin Yount and Paul Molitor, for the Brewers, I'm guessing, uh, they were a couple of the best at stealing signs from second base. And one time Thurman Munson, his catcher, yeah. came out and says, I think they're stealing our signs. Of course they were. So Goose said, okay. Munson runs back. He didn't say anything. He knew what to do. He called for a breaking ball. And Gossage says, 
underneath Robin Yount's chin. He goes, I think he saw his eyes flash before his very eyes. <laughs> his life flash before his very eyes. Well, people have been stealing signs forever, I think, where you get, you, you don't need me to tell you, where they've crossed the line is the technology, using the technology. Yeah. I think stealing signs, hey, look, if you're a catcher who who's not good with his signs or doesn't protect very well or doesn't change him when they're on second base, that's part of the game. You've it's kind got of been a fair game, right? Of course, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. there's nothing wrong. But when you start having dedicated television cameras... Now we're talking about something different. But I will say this, Trevor Bauer, you probably don't. Do you know the name Trevor Bauer? He's a pitcher. Name, yeah. Pitcher, very outspoken pitcher. Was with, I think, Cleveland for a long time. Now he's with Cincinnati. To, to protest it in a, in a preseason, an exhibition game this past week. I love this. Do you know, right, you're a baseball player. You're, you as a kid, did you play baseball as a kid? Like eight years, yes. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you know, did you catch? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, what does the pitcher Look do during warm-ups? What, what does the pitcher do during warm-ups? <laughs> to tell you what he's going to throw during warm-ups. How do you know what he's going to throw, a curveball or a fastball, if you caught at a, at a level where they were throwing curveballs and fastballs? Do you remember? You don't no, remember. I don't remember. He does something with – well, watch. In between innings, they go out, and they do something with their glove. This is – this is a this is a fastball. This is oh, a, gotcha. Okay, they, they, I, yeah, they, they gesture. That, yeah. They ge- yeah, they gesture to the gesture to the catcher what they're about to throw during warmups. Okay. It's a, and it's a universal thing. Okay, he decided. You know what? They're going to try to steal my signs. I'm just going to tell him what I'm throwing. He gestured. He did every before every single pitch his inning. Trevor Bauer wow. in an exhibition game this past week. He told the hitter. The hitters were smiling. He told the hitter, here comes curveball. And he threw a curveball. Here comes fastball. Did he get crushed? Three up, three down. Is that right? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. He just told him. He yeah. said, here, let's hear. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I'm throwing. Here comes here comes a, a changeup. Let's see if you can hit it. That's and amazing. He, and he threw and he didn't play around. He wasn't fooling around like telling him fast. Yeah. I'm sure the first few guys were like, okay. Right. He's telling me curveball well, and he's gonna throw a fastball. That could work to his advantage yeah. too. So they were probably it was probably in their mind. But he was like, no, here. That's amazing. Here's what's coming and see if you can hit it. The reports are that his manager in Cincinnati was like, okay, is that ending opening day? (laughs) Right. Can we stop that? (laughs) That was fun. Right, right. All right. The where in the world is Tom Brady going saga continues. Yeah. We had him going to 49ersville in 81P, right? Did you happen to see him and Julian Edelman sitting at a Syracuse basketball game together? I watch every Syracuse basketball game. I was very clear about that. That was last week against North Carolina. Yes. Okay. Well, somebody was behind them and took a picture of Tom Brady FaceTiming with Mike Vrabel. He was. His old Patriot buddy. Yeah, who's now the coach of the Tennessee Titans. And somebody asked Edelman, who, by the way, just got bar mitzvahed. Yeah, I, I saw that at 33. Good for him. Yeah. Um, somebody said to Edelman, the camera was on Edelman during that Syracuse loss to North Carolina. Um, and Edelman was like, he's coming back. He's coming back. Yeah, yeah. And Brady, if you look at his face, was like, shut the F. Yes. He was not happy that with That was his definitely buddy the look he was giving. And there's a big, it's a big controversial thing in Syracuse. You'll actually like this, and I, I, you can weigh in on this. So where they were sitting, it was Edelman, it was Edelman, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Fallon. Don't ask me. Syracuse, New York. So there's this guy that's like the biggest Syracuse fan who runs uh, scrapyards or whatever. It's like a multi-million dollar scrapyard. I, I don't know. Scrap metal. I don't yeah, know yeah. what he does. He's a Syracuse guy. I think his name is Adam Weitzman. And he sits in the seats next to Bayheim. He's known as a huge Syracuse supporter, donor. He takes Bayheim on his private plane 
during the off season places to the and he's always he's always hobnobbing with celebrities Carmelo okay. Anthony and and I think uh, OBJ was there once he loves the spot this guy so, Adam White so Adam White's been sort of bought his way into those social circles right, that's right okay. and he's he's apparently a fabulously wealthy guy and he has all these guys so he's the guy that he he invited Tom Brady Julian Edelman and and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. Fallon of the game. So at a random Syracuse game, here they are, the yeah. three of them sitting in the seats next to Jim Beheim coaching. And Adam Weitzman's there. And, he, you know, he's, oh. all, he's all. So the big stink in, in Syracuse is to get them to the game on time, I guess Adam Weitzman sent a private plane from this is the only way to get them to a Syracuse Jeez. North Carolina game. Both teams suck, by the way. Why would they ever want to do that? It was like, go to, go to Duke versus, you know, some Louisville. Yeah. But to get them there on time, he sent a plane, and then they had a police escort oh boy. from the private aircraft, right from the runway, to the carrier dome, so they get, get there for the opening tip. And people in Syracuse are wondering, <laughs> are taxpayer dollars, I mean, do, I mean, is that cool? And others are saying, you know what? It brings visibility to Syracuse. It's not that yeah. big of an expense. You've got Tom frickin' Brady in free agency sitting at a Syracuse game talking to Jim Bam. It's totally worth it. So there's this little – and then he he jumps in. Adam Weiss is like, I paid for the for the whole thing, the police escort. <laughs> did he? I, I don't know whether he did or he didn't. He probably but, did. But, yeah. but anyway, how do you feel about that? Taxpayer money to get Edelman, Fallon. And then Fallon was, was uh, leading the band at halftime. They were all That's fun. Edelman came out and shot a shot. You know, it was just I don't I don't know. I there, personally there, like it. I'm all for fun. I think it's great if it's a fun atmosphere and if it brings taxpayer money. Okay. Well, but if he says he paid for it, but how about if he didn't? I'm less uptight about <laughs> one one right. I mean, the Mount Si High School uh, basketball team got a police escort to the state championship. Should I be up in arms about that too? You know, they did. Yeah, just I think it was more for fun. To, did Mount Si win? By the way, yeah, they're the state champs. The 4A, 4A state, state champions. champions. And yeah. they've got that one guy, like the redheaded guy? Yeah, he's going to St. Mary's, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, anyway, so they, I think that was... Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but I think that's cool for the kids. So, you know, I'm, I'm cool that everyone oh, just relax. Oh, you did that one. So that, it's my turn. Yeah. Do you remember on... It was at 81P where we discussed something that I loved about baseball that they're trying not... And it's not just giving signals away. Did we talk about they're miking the players during play yeah, it's just to cool. try it out? Yeah. And I think baseball as everybody thinks, has a problem to be an overall uh, They have a, a, a clear reputation problem. Like even before the cheating scandal, right? Oh, yeah. They have fallen so far behind basketball and football. Not America's pastime and anymore. And soccer's catch. I mean, t- t- you know, different. The XFL's going to catch them someday. Uh, so they've got a public. And this was, I don't know if you saw any of this. I played a little bit for you. This was, this was so fun. Guys like, I think a curveball's coming. I think about boom. You know, guys at the plate with microphones yeah. on in the field. I think I told you Chris Bryant, like, hit a foul ball, right? Ripped one down the line. It was foul, and he ran it first. And then you hear him coming back going, oh, God, now I'm exhausted. I got to walk back. <laughs> right, it's yeah. just fun stuff. Great. And I was like, bring that on for the regular year. It's 162 games. We get bored. We're in a town that, that loses 100 games every year. You want me to watch Mariner baseball? Put some microphones on these guys. Yeah. Well, I want to play for you. They did it at an exhibition game for Seattle over the weekend, an, an outfielder that by the name of Malik Smith, who's, I think, their, their starting center fielder. He was there last year. He was there yeah. last year. That's correct. He was miked in center field, and not only was he miked, he had an earpiece in, which is even better, where he could hear what the announcers were saying. And oh, Ken great. Griffey Jr. 
was one of the announcers. And Malik Smith, while he's warming up in center, is taking shots at Ken Griffey Jr. It's fabulous. I'm going to play this for you. You was looking real daddish today. <laughs> I'm supposed to. It's spring training. Man, you always looking daddish. Uh, no, no, no. See, uh, I'm going to look daddish around the people here. Oh, you you saying you got swag when you leave the field. I've got swag every day of the week. I don't know. That sounds like some good talk. He's catching no, all right, you'll see it. Ken, Ken probably got like a, a machine that keeps him cool as he walks around through Florida. Just in his back pocket, you know? Just lowering his body temperature. No, 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 no. I just drive faster in my golf cart. <laughs> I've seen you do that, yeah. So It's great. So just so you know, the, the batter's in the batter's box. Oh, is that you, right? You can't see. You're just hearing. I the batter's was... in the batter's box. He First, he was like warming, warming up. up. yeah. And then the batter's stepping in the box, and he and Junior are going to – just – first of all, any player that rags on Junior is okay in my book. You're not a fan. I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of – I mean, baseball-wise, he's the greatest player I ever saw. Oh, wow. I've okay. said this before. I, you know, personally – I never clicked with Kerry That's it. But I just like – I don't think he takes enough crap. I think he needs – Oh, no, he was very protected by the Seattle media. Yeah. I was in a lot of those I locker li- rooms. I like the fact that here's a former here's – a, here's a ball player like going, hey, daddy, you know, you know, yeah. you're like – what, I just like – King Griffey Jr. has been the coolest guy in his circle since he's like 16. Yeah. Right? Nobody gives him crap. Nobody. These people that walk around in circles were in circles of people where everybody's scared of giving them the crap. Yep. They they are the ones that need crap the most. <laughs> I agree. Right? Don't you agree with that? Yes. So that's why Sinatra loved Rickles. By the way, we were talking about Rickles earlier because Rickles would give it to that's him. That's right. No one gave it to Frank. Right. Like Rickles said, he he one of his aunts would go missing in Newark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Frank. I'm with a girl now. Listen to me. Get away from here and stop interrupting me. Yeah, after he asked him to come over. Yeah. Can't you see I'm with people? <laughs> All right. Uh, so this coronavirus, we can't get away from it. But LeBron was asked about playing games without fans, which is something that the NHL and the NBA has sort of been talking about. LeBron said, play games without fans? Nah, it's impossible. I ain't playing. So the NBA has that to consider if they decide to play without fans. Play with, By the yeah. way, that would make our decision for us for the L.A. trip. It sure would, wouldn't it? But this, his comments came after a reported league memo was sent around to all teams Correct. Friday, which what? said that, that prepare for the possibility of having fanless games and also consider... Well, I have a few things to say about Consider that. closing locker rooms to the media. I have media. a few reactions to that. First of all, if you tell me I can't come in L.A., then the three of us will stay home. And I, don't, I won't need the Twitter poll to make my decision right. for me if we can't go to the game. Second of all, I saw that clip. In fact, I think I saw it live when he said it. They had it actually live on television. And here's what I would say. LeBron James is full of shit. That's what I have to say. Really? Okay. If they get to the coronavirus, not allowing, as a precaution, not allowing fans in the gym because of the coronavirus, LeBron James is going to play every single game that the Lakers play. Number one, he will think better about what he said and and realize, okay, this is a serious international crisis. I'm not going to be the guy flying in the face of that, number one. And number two, he cares about his teammates. The Lakers are fighting for the number one scene or whatever they're fighting for. He's not going to tell his teammates, you know what? No, I play for the fans, man. If no fans here, I'm not playing. I'll watch you guys play. You think LeBron, I I am here to tell you, I would bet every single, (laughs) I almost now want this to happen. So that he's called upon, so he's called out, so we get to see whether he was full of you know what or not. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if they say as a precautionary measure we're going to play a few games without the fans, LeBron James, despite what he said, will be in a Lakers uniform on the floor and playing for his team. 
And when those okay. paychecks stop And by the in. way, if I'm wrong about that, see, I, I built in, I, I'm a winner either way on this comment. Because if I'm wrong about that, he looks horrible. He should be just raked. If, if he says, I'm not going to play if there's no fans because of the coronavirus, he looks terrible. He looks selfish. He looks everything that he doesn't want to be. That's first of all. Second of all, if he plays and goes back on his comment, I'm right. Yeah, he's alive. So either, either, either one, I'm right. Do you think he's pandering to the fans in a way? Like, what's the point of saying I'm not playing? Just, I, I'm trying to figure that out. What's his he's motivation? He's trying to be cooler than cool, A. And B, he's try- yes, he's trying to say, hey, I play for the fans, man. Yeah. That's who I play for. Those are my guys. No, he also did say to his defense, I play for my team and I play for the fans. Well, if you play for your team, <laughs> when your team goes out there in yeah. an empty arena, you will be out there. You might want to be there too, yeah. All right, so has the CBA... Wait a second, isn't it my turn? Oh, is it your... Oh, yeah, I think it is your turn. You didn't hit the bell. I'm, I'm like the guy on the teleprompter. I just go right through. I don't Brian pause or anything. Brian Williams. Are we doing 80, episode 82 without talking about newscaster Brian Williams and his math oh, this week? Oh, God. I said on Twitter, if, <laughs> I said on Twitter if, if doing bad math gets you canceled from Twitter and makes you want to delete your account, I'm saying goodbye to everybody now. Did Brian Williams oh, not say... God. Did somebody say to Brian Williams on MSNBC that Bloomberg, if he didn't run in the race, had just saved that money that he spent, he could actually have given a, a million dollars to every American for the same amount of money that he spent on running for president? Did he say that? And then did Brian Williams go, that's unbelievable, right? A million dollars. Unreal. Until we, feel, until we did the math and it's $1.53, a little less than a million. A little less, person. yeah. It would have to be 327. <laughs> he'd have to give out $327 trillion to give a million to everybody. <laughs> what the hell? But that's and this is the top of our profession. We're doing podcasts for like twelve people, <laughs> yeah. and he's out there making millions of dollars with that math. Yeah. Even I can do that math. Yeah. Well, that's just a that was such a great example of where we are in society right now. The woman who was being interviewed yeah. saw a tweet from someone and just ran with it. Didn't even yeah. do the math herself. Yeah. The woman who wrote the tweet then doubled down on it and said, "Yeah, yeah I can't do math, but it's yeah. still a million dollars a person." And then the, she deleted her account, and, uh, and Brian Williams was just going with it. Like that's, I hate to say it, but that's like how fake news starts. It, it would have been. It it, it would have. The great thing about this is, is that not only did they do the math wrong, yeah. but it wasn't like it's not a million dollars a person; it's a hundred thousand dollars a person. It's one dollar and fifty three cents. Close. I mean, that's what I love about this. At no point, Brian didn't Brian Williams think, wait, how rich is Bloomberg? He can give a million dollars to 300 million no, people? He's a talking head on TV. And Holy A million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> and we're doing a podcast for nine people. Right, I know. We can do that math. Asking people if I should go to L.A. <laughs> St. Louis and Chicago has no interest in this podcast. Has the new CBA been approved yet? When's, when's that going to all go down? The... It's happening. It's happening, I think, this week. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I saw that the substance abuse apology. I'm telling you. It's a, go listen. Did you listen to the Andrew Brandt did, interview yeah. left from last eighty one? Yep. Okay. Did you come away thinking, okay, they're stupid to, to sign this deal? Yeah. At least now they've least got now, a year yeah. to go. They can get this deal thirteen months from now. Why not work and don't sign it now? Stupid, stupid, stupid is a stupid. Go ahead. But it says in the new one, no player will ever be suspended again for testing positive right. for drug tests. No pot. Was it? Just pot or was it all? I thought I read drugs, but maybe it's just pot. Anyway, let's let's say it's pot. Got marijuana testing. I was thinking to myself, how much money does the NFL now owe Josh Gordon for being suspended so many times for marijuana, 
and now you're now you're pulling it out. The guy's career is essentially over, right? Josh Gordon. Yeah, you're not going to play again. And, and I love he Josh. May, I love the Josh Gordon story, and I wish it were better. But we don't know that it was just pot. Okay, I thought no I, one's really. Con- we know that he, we know that pot was a part of yeah. it. We know that marijuana was a big part of it. Maybe it was the whole thing. But we don't know whether maybe he tested positive for. They would never tell us if there was. Uh, yeah, look, uh, you do the you 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 fill in the blank. I don't even want to say yeah, yeah. some of these things because I don't know. But but yeah, you're right. If he was suspended oh. and essentially lost his football career, you're right. There's a guy that could have been in his lifetime close to a two hundred million dollar athlete. Going back to those Cleveland days, he was, the, he he was the, the, the freak of nature. Right, freak of nature. Yeah. So if it's just pot, yeah, it's one of the all-time shames. I want to end with my my last bit for the uh, the other stuff segment. Is last week, and you probably saw this on Twitter. I know a lot of people reacted, and it resonated with people. La- last week um, was the 27th anniversary of the Jim Valvano speech at the ESPY Awards. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. He died eight weeks later, or less than eight weeks later. I watched that speech every year this year for some reason i watched it a few times everybody knows the kind of signature moments that don't give up don't ever give up or or this guy's giving me the the rap sign i got tumors all over my (laughs) body and he thinks i care about this (laughs) right this guy so great you hot shot you should go back if you haven't done it and listen to the nine it's a nine minute speech he could hardly get to the city get up the stairs. Yeah, he needed help up the stairs. Yeah, I actually watched it three months ago. This is going to sound really shallow because anybody who says that Jim Valvano gave the greatest speech he's ever seen, uh, more than any politician, more than any important person, Nobel Peace Prize winner, is going to be called shallow. So I'll just risk that right now. It's the greatest speech I've ever seen. If you consider the context, where he was in his life, not a note card. He didn't have... One note. This was all right off his head and from his heart. There was zero, zero uh, a prompter. He was, he was, he was just. This was all spontaneous. A dying man spontaneously, and then the message that he delivers. Honest to God, if you sit down and you watch it for nine minutes, you will arrive at the same conclusion that I do. The messages in this speech need to be shown to every kid in school. I mean, over a certain age, because he is dying, but like teens, adults, everybody should stop and just watch. It is so beautiful and so touching and so poignant. I swear to you, you know, you watch a speech from... 15 years ago, and you're like, God, it was great then, but it, it didn't really, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it didn't age <laughs> very well. <laughs> yeah. This is better today with all the mental health issues that we have going on, yeah. somebody who's been through what I've been through, mistakes that people make. Just go listen to this man say what you sh- how you should live your life. And it is, it is so beautiful, and I just wanted to say that. Just go watch the full nine minutes, even more than just the don't give up, don't ever give up, and the tumors yeah. all over my body. I watched it with my daughter about three months ago. Oh, you did? I sat down. It's so weird you brought that up. I made her sit down. My, my wife watched it too. Yeah. All three of us. And what, is, what did you, she, now she's on the cusp. She's 10. Yeah. H- how did, how did she do with it? I don't, I don't know if it really hit her. I mean, I think she might be a little young. I think they're a little selfish and young at that age. You know, yeah. just kind of care about doing TikToks. Yeah, right. and right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I don't think it really resonated. Maybe I'll try it again when she's a little older. It's beautiful. It is. It and, is so unbelievable. Yeah. Especially when you consider the state of this man. Yeah. Still cracking jokes, knowing he has like. He died seven weeks later. Right. Yeah. It's just a great. It's a great speech. It's if you if you've seen other speeches that are better, send them to me because this one is great. 
Yeah, it's tough to find a better one. It's moving. That's it? That's it. Done? Thanks to everyone who uh, enjoyed marble racing over the week. I got a lot of tweets about it. <laughs> At Scott Soden, follow me. Marble racing's catching on. I'm telling you, it's uh, going to be in Vegas before you know Maybe the it. second podcast that you want us to do should be a marble <laughs> racing podcast. I tell you, the old Rangers look really good this year. The way, the way, <laughs> the way they took that sand course, it was amazing. What are we doing? <laughs> Episode Ernie Conwell, Scancy, Jackson, Raymond Barry, John Stallworth, Ozzie Newsom, Jason Witten, John Taylor. What are we doing? Well, it's got to be Stallworth. I think it has to be Stallworth. Raymond Barry probably had a better career than Starworth, but he's just a little older and you don't remember it. Well, he retired in 67 or 70. Raymond Barry, for me, sort of falls like, it's kind of like Steve Largent with you. You don't, you probably don't love him. In, uh, Raymond Barry was the greatest receiver of all time when he retired, right? Yeah, yes, he was. But putting him in the NFL today when he's at his prime? Eh. So Stallworth, 82, huh? I, I, that's who I would go with. I love John Stallworth. I think he was a great athlete. Does that not work for you? It's fine. It's fine. You know why? Why? Because I'm ready to end. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Episode John Stallworth is in the books.